Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Wednesday, the 18th of... They're all very funny around here today. There's something matter. There must be something in the air, I think, today. Or the water. Bad news for diabetics. Apparently, we, you, we lose nine years off our life expectancy. So, see you. Bye. <laughs> How else? I was a guinea pig for my local doctor surgery, and I asked them each and every time, all these junior doctors, you know, as a diabetic, what's life expectancy? And, you know, not one of them would give me an answer, because I don't think there is an answer for life expectancy. But as long as Brian and I, Brian from Twickenham Station and I, are still walking, I suppose there's a, there is hope for us. The police need our support, says Nick Knowles, the top linguist who says we should learn Urdu and Polish. I imagine Polish might be marginally better. All I know is swear words in Polish. I don't know anything else. Uh, A-listers fear tape leaks as more celebrities exhibit themselves on the internet. Oh, dear, the latest one is Chris Mears, the diver. I mean, dear God in heaven. What is going on? And uh, poor Colleen's marriage crisis by her son. Yes, her son Shane has now leapt into the fray. And uh, I can't help feeling it's a little bit... It's it's a bit like Daniela Westbrook dragging her son onto Loose Women. Because in Colleen's case, she's already announced to us, while she was on Loose Women, that her marriage was in crisis, that her husband didn't love her anymore. And so I thought maybe she'll take some time off. Maybe she'll sit at home and maybe she'll try and work out why it is the marriage is going wrong. No, she takes the job with with Big Brother and sits there doing nothing. She's done no exercise. She just sits there chain smoking. Mind you, at least it beats Nicola McLean on Big Brother. I omit to use the word celebrity because there are no celebrities on there. There's just a few old people and uh, and some footballing links to people. Uh, then you've got Callum, the bore best. And then you've got Jamie O'Hara, who's even more boring. But of course, not only is he boring, but he's broke. But he does fancy Bianca Gascoigne, who only hung on to the Gascoigne name. Because otherwise, it, it, uh, you know, Paul Gascoigne's not her father, as we all know. And um, and then I'm trying to work out whether or not uh, George Michael's so-called cousin really is his cousin. Or is he just making it up? Are they just sort of friends that go back a long way? But then George fell out with him years ago. About 1998, I think, um, because he just wasn't very pleasant and George was able to separate the wheat from the chaff and he decided to get rid of uh, that part of it, Andros. And um, and now he's actually saying he was killed by crack cocaine. He hasn't got the faintest idea what he's talking about. He might as well say he was killed by the Pixies because he knows nothing. He knows nothing at all. He's not been in George's life. He doesn't know anything about the boyfriend. He knows nothing about anybody at all. And I'm surprised that George's family, including his sister, haven't come out and gone, why is this man saying these things? He doesn't know anything. He knows nothing. Nobody knows what George Michael's on. Only George Michael and Faddy. And as Faddy found him, and so-called Andros was nowhere to be seen, makes you wonder, you know, whether some people just crave the attention. And I suspect it's that in this particular case. So anyway, back to the Big Brother house. Nicola McLean gets ever more drunk and sits there slurring, but in a rather silly little girly voice. Jedward, they're really sad. They really need checking out by somebody, a psychiatrist or something. You don't get 25-year-olds who jump around on the furniture. They can't, they can't really talk. They have started using the F word, though, in there, which, of course, came as a bit of a shock to me. But the one thing they haven't got is sex appeal. They are absolutely devoid of sex appeal. They have no... They appear to have no interest in girls or boys or anything at all. They just they they could actually be asexual. 
It's a horrible thought, I realise, and I'm sorry to inflict this on you at this time of the morning. I realise many of you will now be sort of go, don't, don't, Steve, I'm feeling a bit bilious. You know, I don't, I don't, want, you, I, I don't want you to look at Jedward and think that, you know, that they are really so odd that they just don't do sex. Because they ha- they're, they're 25, they've never had girlfriends. They can't do, because then we're going to find two people stupid enough to want to go out with this pair of idiots. But, you know, apart from the fact that, you know, I suppose if, if you end up, end up going with sort of Edward, then the other one will tag along as well. So there's kind of always going to be three of you. It's a bit like a Diana relationship, isn't it, with Charles? There were three in our relationship, which, of course, we all knew about. But, it's, but the interesting thing about Big Brother is that we kicked out James Jordan. He didn't see that one coming. So if you're listening, James, it's because nobody likes you. You're deeply unpleasant. You're fake. You're false. You know, we saw it yesterday when you were having the mickey taken out of you. By, uh, by the woman from How Clean Is Your House. And uh, you were losing big time. You know, he was trying to pretend, oh, yeah, I reel you out and I reel you in again. You couldn't reel in a tiddler, mate. Nothing at all. You're deeply unpleasant. You're a nasty, argumentative little person. You're a horrible bully. And that's why you were kicked out. Because people have seen through you. You know, if they like you, they keep you in. If they don't like you, they kick you out. So that's why we got rid of um, the, uh, the Jasmine Walsh creature. That was just disgusting. And uh, I suppose the next one is the old soak who's Nicola McLean. I mean, you can't keep her in there. She's drinking herself into oblivion. You know, I mean, somebody needs to tell Colleen, no more cigarettes, darling. No more cigarettes. You just, you know, go back home, try and save your marriage. But don't sit there pleading that, you know, everybody me in this because they called her fake. They're very perceptive, all these people. But I do like the woman. I do like Kim from How Clean Is Your House because she doesn't mess around with any of them. She's playing a very good game. She knows how to play it. Jed would have started playing a game, but I don't think they know they're playing the game. They just think they're being sort of silly old Jedward. Go on, right, don't it. And then they go into this stupid little girly dance thing, you know, and you look at them and you think, a bit sad. But uh, they were arguing as well with James. Callum Best just sits there being Mr. Bore. Absolutely. All the girls want to bed him. But, of course, he, he's trying to think of a strategy. But, unfortunately, he's not intelligent enough to come up with a strategy. So him and... Um, and uh, the other one's um, ex-wife, who's complained, Jamie, who's in there. Uh, some, he he fancies, fancies Biasca, uh, Bianca Gascoigne. But as I've said before, why would you want to go out with somebody who just stands there behind the, uh, the front desk of a strip club going, you want to see girls taking their clothes off? 20 quid, thank you. And that's what she does. I mean, she's, she's not the full ticket either. Where that hair's come from, there must be a horse wandering around a field going, I had a mane and a tail the other day. Where's it gone to? She's wearing it. The rest of them, I mean, there's the girl from Geordie Shaw, just disgusting. Oh, but seriously, I just can't, you can't believe these people exist, and that's obviously what we like in this country. That's obviously what we like. We seem to like these low-rent, chavvy little has-beens who disport themselves on television, will sleep with just about anybody they can get their hands on. Mind you, Callum Best is now saying that he had an affair with Kim Kardashian. Do you seriously think she'd go that low? Maybe. Who knows? Well, she made a porno film, so I suppose there is, uh, there is that one. Uh, the row over Ealing Council heats up. Uh, Jane Moore's mentioned them in her column today. This is Ealing Council, who spend money on two idiots who stopped this woman. You remember the other day, the 63-year-old woman... She has a cup of coffee. She's finished it. It wasn't very nice coffee. So as opposed to just dropping it on the floor, she pours it down a drain. And, and then she walks to the bin to put her cup in and then gets slapped with an 80 quid fine by two pathetically stupid people who haven't been, um, who haven't been taught properly or trained properly. And so anyway, it goes to some little court thing and they go, no, it's going to stand. 
And then a website hits on it and you suddenly work out that Ealing Council must be the biggest pile of bozos you've ever had in your entire life. I mean, how can you train somebody to stop somebody pouring drink down a drain? I mean, surely, I mean, I don't want to point out the patently obvious to the thickos on the council, but if I pour a coffee down the sink here, it's going to end up in the sewage system, isn't it? It's going to go into the same pipework. And in fact, as I was thinking that yesterday, and they, was, they had to rescind in the end, they sort of, they back to it, oh, you had a look at the case, and, you know, mamby-pambies that they are. And then I was watching one of the interceptor programmes, Nighttime Cops. They caught some kids drinking. What do they do? They pour it down the drain. I thought, if you were in Ealing, Ealing Council would have had you arrested by now. You know, that's how stupid and dumb they are. But anyway, they had to sort of take it back. This one was doing exactly what everybody else would do. Stupid people. Honestly, it does make me angry, doesn't it? Don't, perhaps they just don't bother training people nowadays. I can, if, if she'd picked up the coffee cup and thrown it on the ground, I could understand it. But um, she didn't. She poured it down the drain. Like, you know, the rain goes down the drain mainly in Spain, it, uh, it just goes down and the police pour it away all the time if people are caught drinking, probably even in Ealing. As I say, better have a word, lads, with, uh, with Ealing Council. They're a bit stupid up there. They better train their operatives a little bit better. But uh, Jane Moore's got something to say about that later, so that's good. Uh, Amir Khan's wife says, we will get over this. We will get over This is the, uh, the tape that he made where he's pleasuring himself rather stupidly, uh, after he was married. Obviously, he doesn't really think very much of her. Uh, it's quite easy to do, apparently. You just go on to Skype, and somebody starts chatting to you, and then apparently they start following you. And after about a week and a half, they then go, do you want to see my boobs? And it goes from there. And, of course, what these dimbos don't realise, like Amir Khan and all the other ones, is that they're being filmed the other end. The person just pushes... You can install a bit of software. The papers tell you exactly how to do it. And... Um, and then you record the person, and then years later it turns up. They've all done it. Sam Callahan, fool of the First Order. Uh, Chris Mears, the diver, is the latest one to exhibit himself online, rather stupidly. And uh, we've got Amir Khan. There's loads of people. There's loads of people who were all doing it. And it's, uh, and it's women. Well, we think it's women. We don't know. It could be blokes doing it, but pretending to be women, if you get my drift. It just could just be a little bit of film or something like that. And they get caught out by it. They've all done it. George Sampson has done it. They've all been caught. And uh, it's just really embarrassing. It's really embarrassing for them. And so when Amir Khan's wife says, we will get over it, I'd have kicked him into touch immediately, darling. Take him for everything you can get. I thought you were married. Does that not mean anything? Obviously not to him. He couldn't care less. A few weeks after you were married, he's doing it on the internet. Courgettes are off the menu. Don't bother. I mean, really, there's in short supply. You know why? Because of the, uh, the Spanish weather. It's been very wet over there. And uh, you, d you never imagine it's going to rain in Spain, do you? You just automatically think it's going to be boiling hot and lovely and sunbathing. I've got friends of mine uh, over there. Well, you know Chris Lowry, weatherman, and uh, Steve. They're over in Spain, and I think it is hot. I think it really is very... And uh, it's, it would be unbearable for me. I'd have to stay inside in air conditioning and not go out till the night time. But uh, they're over there. But uh, unfortunately, because of the rain, it's affected the, the crop of courgettes and lettuces. So uh, they're going to be running out. So I suppose you should buy them as quickly as you can. Uh, at the moment, Paul Cooper's selling... What's he selling? Oh, coconuts uh, with... I mean, obviously people sell coconuts, but these are shaved coconuts. I'm not sure if they're real coconuts or pretend. And they've got coconut water in there. And I love coconut water. I absolutely adore coconut water. Some people hate it. I used to buy it, this uh, cocoa, whatever it was, stuff. And, uh, and I give it to a friend of mine, and he actually he went, Ugh, it's horrible. And I went, no, it's, it's coconut water. It's delicious. He went, 
Ooh, it's vile. He thought it tasted a bit sort of, um, a bit sort of perfumey, but uh, I like it. Uh, there's a girl who's appeared on a talent show in the Philippines. She doesn't come from the Philippines. She comes from here. And she's done an act as Taylor Swift, including ripping the dress off. It's a bit like making your mind up. Whoop, off comes the dress. Don't check your... But she's doing it to Taylor Swift, so I can't sing Taylor Swift songs. Uh, the reason that people have complained about it is because she's seven years old. She's done up like a little Lolita. She looks a little bit like one of these ghastly fashion parades that they have in America where little girls as young as five get fully made up with hair extensions, full makeup, eyelashes, and then they pout and preen and uh, boo boo be do in front of the judges. It's a bit disgusting, but nobody's actually seen through it yet. Uh, except in this particular case, people have complained about it. They said it's not right. A seven-year-old girl on a talent show, she shouldn't be on there. She should not be on there at seven years old. There should be some sort of uh, law about it. Uh, plus, in a bid to stave off dementia. And I, I get more confused as the days go by. I mean, some days you sort of think, did I do that? And I'll say something to a friend of mine. He'll go, you've told me that already. And you have to remember, because if you bump into loads of people, you tell people things. And then you, you can't remember who you've told. So sometimes I start telling a story and I think, I think I might have told them this one before. So I move on to something else. <laughs> oh, bad news for the day. As if there could be bad news for the day. And I don't really think Wednesday is a bad news day. I don't think it is. I think, I think it's going to be a, a sort of a semi-nice... Well, I hope so, anyway. Because uh, we had uh, Blue Monday. We had balloons downstairs to, um, to celebrate Blue Monday. Blue Monday was traditionally the day that you get a little bit depressed and sort of fed up. Yeah, I've seen the big board, yeah. The big board... Oh, you write... Oh, right. No, I didn't. No, I don't subscribe to writing... On, I don't want to say it. I don't subscribe to people writing on boards, you know, things that make you happy. I would not be the sort of person who would ever do anything like that. I'm not that... I'll tell you for why I wouldn't be that sort of person. Because I just think it's naff. I think it's an Americanism. It's a case of, you know, if you write down what makes you happy... Then it, I mean, if I wrote down what makes me happy, I'd be off this programme so fast. <laughs> because... It's got, I mean, what, what makes me happy wouldn't make the producer, well, me, me leaving would make the producer happy. You know, that'd make him very, he'd be going, yeah, woo, 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 and, uh, and celebrate it. Although he did come up with this brilliant idea. He said that if you die, Steve, because he started now planting the seed in my mind, um, he says we could have you embalmed and then just sort of bring you out on every occasion, like Jeremy Bentham. Jeremy Bentham is in a cabinet, as you know, in the London hospital. And they bring him out for meetings and they open the doors and there is Jeremy Bentham sitting there because he's been embalmed back from the 18, whatever it is. And I thought we could do the same for Steve Allen. And they could, and, and they could bring me out and they could go, this is Steve, and, and new, new people coming into the company go, that's Steve Allen? They go, yeah, when he died, we had him embalmed. And so we just sort of bring him out every so often and we ask him questions. Which I think is quite a cool idea, don't you think so? No, not really. Uh, but it doesn't matter, does it? Oh, the police have nabbed a 14-year-old polo, the car, doing 115 miles an hour. It doesn't even do 115 miles an hour. I think it only does about 96, which is good. And uh, the marathon ban for Kate, Wills and Harry over security fears. Oh, God. Listen, he's been to Norway. He's watched the Aurora Borealis. Has he ever? And uh, apparently Megan's in London at the moment. He's taking her around. Have you seen any photographs? No, me neither. That's why I don't believe a word of it. And apparently she's met the family. The hell she has. She hasn't met anybody. You know, maybe apart from William. Uh, this is Harry's latest. And everybody's going, he's so in love with her. He's 32! Get over yourself, for goodness sake. Who cares? So Harry gets married. Dullsville. Dull. It's not going to be a big wedding. It'll be a little thing in a registry office. You know, do you take him? Yeah, do you take her? Many times. And, uh, and that'll be it. I don't quite understand what the big deal about it is. You know, 32-year-old bloke 
who's uh, who's been around the block a few times, picks up some Canadian actress, and then apparently she's supposed to be in this country. No, no pictures at the airport, no pictures. Apparently she was in a beauty salon the other day. Any pictures? No. I think they're just making it up. I think the whole thing is just fake. I don't think Harry's going out with her at all. I think they've just made it up as a story to wind us all up, going, oh, Harry could get married. No, no, no. Harry's going to be the eternal bachelor. And especially now we've discovered her half-brother brandishes guns about. Just the kind of thing you need in the royal family, isn't it, really? As the Queen will be testifying to, I should imagine. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I did hear a story the other day of a, of a radio presenter. I can't tell you where this person is or anything like that. Working for BBC Local Radio. You know, that's the ones that sort of waste your money, truly. And uh, this particular person, I'm not going to name him, they have a paper reviewer. What for? Can't they talk or something? It's really embarrassing, isn't it, really, when somebody goes, oh, you have to fill out the programme. We brought a paper reviewer in. I mean, goodness sake, honestly. These people. I was listening to a, a presenter a uh, short while ago, and uh, this particular person was doing their last programme on the station they were working for. Talk about sounding tiddled. Oh, my dear me, honestly. I've never, ever, well, once, done a programme after a few drinks. And to be honest with you, it's not physically possible to do a programme you, because you've got no idea what's going on. You just And also, the time drags. Something chronic, at least if you're sober, which I mean, I would hope I was sober doing this programme. Well, in fact, I'm pretty certain I'm sober. You know, it, it, it goes through really quickly. Sometimes it whizzes through and you get to sort of five o'clock and then you go, right, now we're into, and then six o'clock. And then you think, God, I've only got an hour left. And so it goes through really, really quickly. There'll be other presenters listening to this, desperate to have a programme where they can speak more than three links in an hour. You know, because I couldn't do that. When I used to work on a music station years ago in Austria uh, for my sins, um... I used to cut the record short so I could talk. No, I used to get so bored with playing records. I was thinking, who wants to listen to this record? I'm marginally more interesting. So I used to fade it down and just talk. The engineers over there who all wore white coats because they were called uh, technicians. So they wore white coats. It was a bit like sort of working for Clinique or something like that, except they knew nothing about makeup. They were Austrian. And, um, and, and you'd say, oh, just fade it down. But Steve, only just start. And you go, no, just fade the music down. I'm more interesting. I've got things to talk about. And I would talk about all sorts of things. And the programme became really good. All the Americans who listened to it used to think, oh, this is more like home radio, talk radio as it should be. Talk radio where you've got somebody entertaining enough to keep people's attention for three hours. Or five, as we did one time. We did five hours one time. I can't believe we ever did five hours. We used to finish the programme and, well, we thought we finished it and then start again. Uh, more men are wearing fake tan. Not round here, they're not. Not round here. I did used to use fake tan, but it just wasn't my sort. I mean, I, I quite liked it because you did look as though you were a bit healthier. But if you caught yourself in the wrong light, I used to use tan towels, which was a little silver sealed packet. And you ripped it open and inside was like a wet wipe, but it was coated in fake tan. And you just wiped it all over yourself. And, you know, round your face. Remember to go all the way around the back of your neck, because otherwise it looks a bit silly. Uh, but you could smell it was fake tan. There's a smell that goes with fake tan. I think chemically kind of smell. And then they brought out... And then I was using loads of fake... Estee Lauder brought out a fake tan. Oh, smearing all that one all over. You go to bed and you wake up in the morning and you suddenly realise that the sheets were all brown and the pillow was... St- oh, it was awful. So I gave up on that. So and then I thought, I'll use, I'll use some beds for a while. And, uh, and then I suddenly realised, I don't think I want to be brown. I don't think, you know, I, I don't subscribe to this, oh, we all look really healthy. Because in my case, I look healthy for about a week and then I start peeling. And then I look like I've got major alopecia. 
I mean, seriously, you'd be sitting on the bus, you can see people going, you look at the back of his head. Because I never put a hat on, I'm a bit silly. And um, and so all the skin would peel on the top of your head and then you'd rub it in the morning because it'd be quite hard. And you'd sort of uh, rub it and then you'd get this shower of what looked like dandruff. You know, you used to walk uphill to the uh, to the wash basin. Uh, what else we got in the papers today? Oh, the footballers. This was the oddest story of yesterday. I couldn't quite get my head around this one. This is two footballers who've been accused of being racist, uh, rapists and they've had to pay this girl £100,000. But the case did not go to court. I think it went to court originally and, uh, and then nothing happened. And so she took out a private prosecution. They've been told to pay her money. They've been told to pay £100,000 to her, but they've been branded as rapists. There's also the dad in the paper today who has... Um, he bought an e-cigarette... It blew up in his face. I do see people with e-cigarettes all the way down the high street because you get clouds of smoke or whatever it is, vapour out of an e-cigarette. This one blew up in his mouth. He lost seven teeth and he's got second degree burns. Dear God in heaven. I mean, it does look pretty dangerous. It really does. Thank God I don't smoke. But there is that danger. And then Colleen Nolan's son, he's leapt onto the bandwagon. This is Shane. Shane's 28. He's insisted his mum could still make things work with Ray, her husband, despite her revelations that their relationship was in crisis. It's funny, I think Colleen's become a bit needy, a little bit needy. And uh, she talked about their problems in the Big Brother house. Now Shane says he fears Ray will not be there to greet her when she gets out. He says, I'm desperately worried. Ray's supposed to be touring America with Rick Astley from tomorrow, but he wants to wait until she comes out before he leaves. Shy Ray is said to struggle with the way Colleen publicly discusses all aspects. Yeah, I can well imagine that. Colleen, you've, you've basically you've ruined your own marriage. And that's why you should not be in the Big Brother house. But being a so-called agony aunt, not that I'm totally of the opinion that you do these uh, agony things, because otherwise you could have sorted yourself out. You, why would you choose to go in the Big Brother house as opposed to saving your marriage? Perhaps you don't want to save your marriage. The way you, you're cosying up to a few people in the Big Brother house, it's quite clear to me you, uh, you've got um, thoughts on other people, including Callum Best. You're an old woman, dear. Get over yourself, for goodness sake. Go back and, um, and save your marriage. Um, you know, uh, Shane says the last big fight stemmed from when Mum opened up about the marriage on Loose Women before Christmas. She told the nation she was contemplating leaving Ray. I was sat on the sofa, be- sat on the sofa beside him. You didn't say what you can imagine. She's just an embarrassment. I'm sorry, Colleen, you've really got to sort this out. You know, stop pleading that it's you all the time. He's a shy, nice man. And uh, and Shane is obviously on his side. So you better, uh, I mean, not that she's hearing this programme because she's stuck in the Big Brother house. But, um, you know, it's it's embarrassing, really. Very, very embarrassing. And uh, we'll wait and see. Both want to stay together, but all they do is fight. Yeah, and I should imagine she's uh, she's quite vile. We've heard some of the language in the Big Brother house, Shane. So, but uh, they say she needs. He says she needs more affection. Well, then why go on loose women and start discussing your marriage without discussing it with him? I mean, you know that is just appalling. But there again, I'm sure you know best, Colleen. But you're going to be very lonely all by yourself, dear. If you seriously think people are going to be finding you attractive and all over you, they're not. Okay, just get used to it. Just get used to it. You've got a man who's really good for you. And you're basically throwing it all back in his face. You know, of course, she'll she'll be portraying herself as the victim. The loose women will be going, well, I bet it's privately, though, if you taped the loose women privately and said, don't you think she's treated him badly? They'll all be going, absolutely. Absolutely. You don't discuss things on television about your private life unless you're that desperately sad and lonely. 
I mean, really, don't do it. It's it's the worst thing you could ever do because it makes you look ridiculous. It's like it's like Daniela Westbrook. Nobody's ever going to treat her seriously. She's never going to get you know people to go. Oh, Daniela Westbrook. At least she made an effort because she didn't. She didn't. What she needs to do, as I said yesterday, is get loads of help. You know, she's a sick woman. She's a sick woman who's addicted to cocaine. She needs to get her life back in order. Stop appearing on television and selling stupid stories to the newspapers. Sort yourself out or it'll end in tears. We know it'll end in tears. We've seen it a million times. You know, there's only so far you can go with helping people. You appear not to want any help. Same with um, George Best. Drank himself into oblivion. That's all he did. He just carried on drinking. He obviously thought that, you know, being drunk all the time was sort of made him, in- made him interesting. Like, a bit like Paul Gascoigne. He thinks that, you know, he's only interesting when he's had a few drinks. So consequently, he has a few drinks and he has a few more drinks and then stupid people buy him drinks. I mean, it's awful, really. It's awful. You just have to sort of, you know, you just have to sort of not buy these people drinks. If you saw, you know, George Best in a pub, why would you want to buy him a drink? He's an alcoholic. Why would you want to buy Paul Gascoigne a drink? He's an alcoholic. These people, you see them staggering about, and they're a bit like that. You don't buy them a drink. That's not going to help them. It's like saying to Daniela Westbrook, do you want some Coke, love? You know, that would be a stupid thing to do. As I said yesterday, where she gets the money from, I've got no idea. One can only hazard a guess at that, can't they? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Oh, dear me. Steve, I've just missed the usual 4am spike. Don't have a go at me. Just booked a Caribbean cruise for Christmas. Really? I suppose, yeah, I suppose a Caribbean... Yeah, Caribbean cruises are OK, aren't they? You can do that for Christmas. Nice to book it now, though. Something to look forward to, isn't it? And uh, Darren says, uh, diabetics have a shortened lifespan. I celebrate 50 years of type 1 this year, and I'm not dying until I've spent my last pound. I've got one embedded in a paperweight, so immortality is mine. Yeah, they, they say in a lot of the papers today that diabetes in middle age could take nine years off your life. It's not exactly the thing you want to hear, is it, on a, on a Wednesday morning? Certainly not the thing I want to hear on a Wednesday morning. Uh, have you read or watched the film Papillon? No, I haven't. Doesn't it, I'm not, I don't know why I wasn't interested. Apparently it was about uh, somebody serving... Uh, solitary confinement, five years, supplemented his diet on coconuts smuggled into him. Yeah, I mean, coconuts are supposed to be very good for you, aren't they? You can drink the milk and then you can eat the... Uh, and I used to like eating coconut. I really did. Uh, CJ says a VW Polo will do 115 miles an hour as long as the driver is under 12 stone. Ah, right. Interesting. Manny's listening to the show in uh, in India. I won't pronounce the name of the place. It'll make me sound very silly, so I never do that. Uh, I don't watch Loose Women regularly. Uh, but on occasions, Colleen has spoken of her husband in a most personal way. Poor man, says sir. I don't think you should. You know, I mean, quite clearly, she's got absolutely nothing else to talk about. And so she obviously thinks that by talking about it... But, I mean, she's just... In, he's a shy man. He's a musician. I think he's a drummer, actually. And he's... Um, and he's a shy man. So when she starts talking, as Shane, the son, said, who is with Shane Ritchie... Um, He's sitting next to him on the settee and he just didn't say anything because she's discussing their private life. To be honest with you, the very fact they were sitting down watching her, I find quite disbelieving. I mean, she's as boring as so-and-so, isn't she, on the programme? But, uh, you know, you shouldn't be talking about your family like that. But there again, she did. In fact, she also spoke on Loose Women because obviously she's got one of these loose mouths. 
you know, and, you know, loose mouths generally sort of get themselves into trouble. And she talked about sending her son, I think it was Shane, to a prostitute to celebrate his sort of coming of age kind of thing. And if he couldn't find a girlfriend, she'd pay for a prostitute for him. And she discussed, perhaps she thinks this is funny. Perhaps she thinks this is funny. If you really want to make an effort, Colleen, and I suspect you probably don't, because you've obviously got your own agenda and you probably think you're right, is why don't you just go to a fat farm? As opposed to going on Big Brother, you haven't made any... There's no exercise she's ever done. You could do... Imagine you go in there. You've got the opportunity of doing exercise every day. and, And she's just sitting there, puffing away like a stinky old ashtray. You know, and I thought she was supposed to have stopped that. So, you know, with the overweight problem and the stinky ashtray, why not make something of yourself? Why, as opposed to droning on about it, like, you know, it's not your fault. Do something about it. She said on the programme, I don't think he finds me attractive anymore. Well, I'm not bloody well surprised. I, seriously, I'm not surprised. Don't bleat on about it and do nothing about it. You've embarrassed him. You know, if I was him, I'd be going, I tell you what, the sooner you're out of this marriage, the better. Because I'm doing much better by myself. Much better. And she'll sit there and she'll be Billy No Mates. It really is. It's just, it's appalling. You don't discuss things like that on television. Unless you've discussed it with your other half and said, listen, I'm going to talk about it on television. Why would you want to admit that you're a failure? Which obviously she is. Pip says, have you noticed the lack of police? I can't remember the last time I saw a policeman on the beat. I haven't seen a police helicopter for months. Oh no, I see police helicopters on a regular basis. And police officers. I do see them. Generally speaking, in uh, in Leicester Square on a Sunday morning, we get a lot of police officers then, don't we? Which uh, I always look because they come from the uh, the police station just round the corner at Charing Cross. Anna says, "I remember seeing somebody smoking a cigarette. That's an e-cigarette. Looks just awful." Yeah, I think people do it because it's a case of I want to get off normal cigarettes. But then I don't think there's any evidence to suggest that e-cigarettes are better for you. I really don't. I don't. It's, you know, there must be something about this vapor you're drawing inside your body. I don't, I don't quite understand how it works. I mean, I suppose we've all done it, haven't we? We've all had fake cigarettes over the years to try and make you cut down. And lots of people have e-cigarettes. These shops are opening at one a day. They're flogging cheap, tatty stuff, which comes in from China. And the trouble is, you don't know what you're buying. I mean, you really don't know what you're buying. Unless, unless you understand the workings of these things, there is a very good chance. Like those little scooter things. You remember those little scooter things that blew up? And... Um, and you think to yourself, well, <laughs> not surprised the e-cigarettes blow up at the same time, which is not good. Uh, the judge, this is this story, this is most bizarre, has ruled a woman was raped by two footballers who have never faced a criminal trial. And he ordered the two footballers to pay her £100,000 in damages. She's waived her right to anonymity, claimed the pair raped her in January 2011. 2011. Uh, these two players say they had consensual sex with Miss Clare after a night out in Bathgate in West Lothian. She says she was too drunk to consent. After the prosecutors decided not to charge the pair, she launched a civil action. And uh, a lady called Gail, who was working at the nightclub Miss Clare attended, had told the hearing she wasn't in control of herself, she couldn't stand up straight. So at the court of sessions, Lord Armstrong said, I find that both defenders took advantage of the pursuer when she was vulnerable through an excessive intake of alcohol and was incapable of giving meaningful consent and they each raped her. Miss Clare said, I'm pleased by today's verdict. However, I'm bitterly disappointed that I was so badly let down by the criminal justice system. So, um, interesting, the... uh, 
the Good Willies Club, Plymouth Argyle, and uh, Robertson's team, Cowdenbeath, both said the footballers will not play while they examine the court's ruling. The Crown Office says Crown Council concluded there was insufficient evidence in law to raise criminal proceedings. But they've now been named and shamed in the newspapers. They've had to pay £100,000, I don't know if that's £50,000 each, to, uh, to this woman. But there has been no court case. Somebody else has actually decided on it. But they've been labelled as rapists. Now, whether or not the, uh, the football clubs will sort of examine that and then say, well, actually, we don't agree with the findings, so they're going to go back and play football. I've got no idea, but it's an interesting one, isn't it? That uh, you can have something like that. She launches, because she didn't get the satisfaction she was hoping for, she launches um, a civil action. And that's what got her the £100,000. Oh, look, Colleen's Britain's most straight-talking problem page who can't make her own marriage work. Well, she probably could if she didn't argue so much. I bet she's really got a temper on her like there's no tomorrow. I think she's, she's like a number of people I know. I don't know her. But uh, they, they sort of, their television persona is very much, hello, person of the people, love it. and yet really privately, they're not very pleasant at all. I could, I could do your chapter on verse on a few of them that you'd be quite horrified by, quite horrified by, because they're just, they're just not, not very pleasant people. And, uh, and she gives the impression of being, oh, I'm just all fun and all the rest of it. Unfortunately, I should imagine at home it must be as miserable as sin for him. Probably can't wait to go on tour and be with nice people who smile, as opposed to with some argumentative old bag who chain smokes all the time. Can't be good news, can it? Can it? The, uh, the sun on the front page. Uh, the guys on videotape, they're all doing it. Callum Best has done it. His is, his is quite an old one. You can tell it's an old one because Callum at the moment, being such a, a boring non-entity, has covered his body in tattoos. Uh, and he's got this funny hair stuck on his head. And I can't work out if it's a weave or if it's... Because he was bald years ago. And then all of a sudden, this hair sprouted overnight. And we all looked at it. But they've all done it. Lewis Smith has done his uh, celebrity thing. You know, just a dirty little boy. Uh, they've all done it. Callum Best... From Celebrity Big Brother. Uh, Britain's Got Talents. George Sampson. Uh, there's loads of them. Also, Joel Domet. I mean, there is literally a cast list. Who's done this story? Oh, Dan Wooten. That's a big surprise. <laughs> big surprise on this one. Uh, there's loads of them. Uh, also, uh, Ben Cohen. Kirk Norcross. Sam Callahan. Uh, also, uh, what else have they got? Gold medalist diver. The latest one is Chris Mears. Coronation Street, Shane Ward. Um... And loads of other people. It seems to be... There's also somebody from The Apprentice. Stephen Bear. Charlie Healy from The X Factor. But uh, this particular website, which I'm not going to tell you what it is, says the Shane Ward video was not released by them. A message says uh, on their Twitter account, I did not release, nor have I any intention to release any content of them. The video was hacked from our Dropbox account. Uh, now you've got Amir Khan... I mean, it's a bit sad, isn't it? And there's others. OK, there's a Hollywood star who's had a string of blockbusters. The BBC television presenter, a much-loved comedy star and BBC TV host. An X Factor favourite on British television and an ex-England footy ace. I mean, it's, it's never-ending, isn't it, really? And you don't quite understand why they've done it. When, when it was announced that George Sampson had done this, uh, this video, you began to think to yourself, listen... If you do anything on the internet or on your telephone, at some point somebody's either going to hack into it or they're going to see it. The answer is, don't bleat on television. Every time I see Lewis Smith, I just think, you dirty boy. 
I don't think anything else at all now. I mean, you, know, you, you must be a bit simple if you want to do this. Kirk Norcross did it. I think also, um, who's the bloke from Blue? Um, oh, no, not that. No, Abs wasn't in Blue, dear. No, Lee. Was it Lee somebody? Lee, Lee Ryan. He did one as well. And he's watching a girl performing and he's doing other... Of course, she's just recording it the other end. And you think to yourself, perhaps they really are dumb. But don't complain about it afterwards. Because if you're stupid enough to go on to the internet and do things like that, then somebody's clever enough to record you and put it on the internet. And once it's on the internet, everybody sees it. You can't get it taken down. I can think of no end of people who think that they can take stuff down, but they can't. Because it'll go to different websites and it comes in from abroad. Kate's having a birthday the other day, her 43rd, but the trouble is she arrived bleary-eyed, which is OK. But um, she was joined by her sort of on-off boyfriend, Count Nikolai von Bismarck, 29. It was at China Tang. And who else turned up? Oh, God, Sarah Ferguson turned up. So busy, isn't she, really? And, um, and so the Duchess of York turned up. Is it, she's not a Duchess, is she, anymore? I think she's just Sarah toe-sucking Sarah, I think, the one with the dreary daughters. And Sadie Frost was there. The party went on till 6am. Good God, I'd have been asleep long before that. Long before that. People always say, you know, what's the latest you can survive? I go, about 8 o'clock would be pushing it. 8 o'clock would be pushing it. But I'm gradually making a lot of people in this building who do uh, similar shifts uh, how to adjust their lifestyle to make them a bit better. And that is not to go home to bed but to stay up and then go to bed later. And that way you end up with a, with a, with a, with a pretty normal life. Well, sort of a normal life. Do you know that there are, I, I did tweet the other day, do you know that there is a, uh, loads of people who are crooks in this country, well, that, that you're aware of, but these are people who take the driving test for other people. In other words, they just turn up, pretend to be this other person, and they take the driving test for them so that they pass, and then these people are out there on the roads, generally speaking, with no insurance... They just sort of think that they, they can drive cars, but they can't drive because they've never passed a test. And then they also take the theory test. And most most driving instructors wouldn't have the faintest idea. They prosecuted about 250 last year because I think they can take your licence away or something like that. You imagine turning it. I'd love to expose people. I'm sorry, who, who are you? I don't think you are. I don't think you are. These are police officers. You're under arrest. Yes. I have a brother with type 1 diabetes. As a result, he keeps himself so fit to the point where I think he'll live longer than he would have if he hadn't got it, due to good diet and blood sugar management. Well, actually, if he's type 1 diabetes, a good diet's not going to really make too much difference to him anyway. He's, sort of, he's obviously had it since, uh, since birth. But, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just very bad at managing it. So I moan about it all the time. So when they say, oh, by the way, you know, you've got knocked nine years off your life, I fi- kind of feel at the moment I'm on a bit of borrowed time. Because, you know, I don't think, I don't think I'm really going to get to 70. I'm certainly not going to get to 80, that's a fact. I think that's highly unlikely. In which case, oh dear, better make the, start podcasting like mad. You never know. <laughs> Could be the last show. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Uh, Blooming cold, says Neil, in Windmill Hill in Hailsham. And he says, minus six, it is cold out there this morning. It is actually cold out there. It, but they did, did they not say that it was going to get a bit colder again? This Having told us yesterday was, was warm. When I walked out this building yesterday, it was blooming freezing. Freezing out there. Terrible. Uh, Martine says, Steve, think of illness as an advantage. Think positive. Oh, I do. I mean, I, I really do. I'm, I'm never sort of... I always I joke about it, really. 
I joke about it because I'm sort of I'm not I'm not really bothered about what happens to me. I really, I really couldn't care less. I've sort of I ceased worrying about that some years ago. But I must tell you that I got something yesterday. I ordered from Amazon. I wish I'd taken a picture of it because you never would have believed it. I ordered from Amazon a um, a dustpan and brush. But a dustpan with a handle on it, you know, so you hold the handle and you brush things into it and then you just lift it up. So it's got a long handle on the edge of the thing. But this is not, you know, not particularly. It only stands probably about as high as this table in here that I'm working on. But uh, but it's not that high. The box it came in, I kid you not, was five foot long. Five foot long and about. Oh, what's that? What's that? Is that three feet? Three feet wide? Was that three feet? I don't know. It's, whatever it was, this box was in... I thought they delivered a coffin. Sorry, back to the death thing again. But I seriously thought there was a coffin in there. And, when, and I looked at it, I thought, yeah, it is for me. And so I opened it, and out comes this little dustpan and brush. It was like opening a box six foot by five foot to discover a tube of toothpaste in there. It was equally as ridiculous. And I looked at it, and I thought... And I was speaking to a friend of mine on, uh, on FaceTime, because we're like that. And... Um, and, and I said, I've just had this thing delivered. I said, I should have taken a picture of the box. It's huge. This box is so enormous. I seriously thought the way I, I searched in there to find anything else apart from rolled up bits of paper, which they put in there. And I looked at it and think, couldn't you have packed it in something a bit smaller? It's being delivered by courier. The box must have taken up most of his van. I said, I'm going to take it out. Of the bin. I threw it away in one of the bins, but I didn't dismantle it. I'm going to take it out and take pictures of it. If I, if I can remember to do it when I get home today. You won't believe it. You seriously will not believe the size of this box. And the little dustpan and brush. What I'm going to do is take a picture of the box with the dustpan and brush on it. So you can see how ridiculous it is. Terror. I mean, unbelievable. It's seriously, it looks like a coffin. It's as big as that. It's very cold at Gatwick Airport, Steve. I suppose somebody's got to be up. Well, you have if you're the pilot. Yeah, I would think that would make... Uh, it's always cold at Gatwick, though, isn't it? Because it's out of town. And it's and it gets a bit windswept and a little bit cold and stuff like that. So I can well imagine, well imagine that it would be a little bit nippy out there. Jane Moore, writing in her column today, says when pen- this is the story, you'll know this story because I've done it. When pensioner Sue Peckett couldn't drink any more of her takeaway coffee, she poured the excess down a drain and deposited the empty cup in a nearby bin. Seconds later, she was pounced on by two enforcement officers from Ealing Council in West London and handed an £80 fine for littering. Miss Peckett's appeal was refused and the fine only dropped after the local media got involved. Uh, The next story they should cover is that despite wailing about £138 million worth of heartbreaking cuts, the council could still manage to find the funds for two jobsworths to harangue an obviously law-abiding citizen. My advice is go and stand outside the council offices in Ealing and just pour coffee down the drains. Go on, arrest us all. Go on, £80 fines. Go on. They're so stupid, these cows. Who makes this decision? Who was the person then who said at the end, after, after the courts had thrown it out, because the council fought it, I mean, who, who is the person who then goes, oh, all right, we admit we made a mistake? Who is that person? Do they have a name or are they just too girly and hide behind somebody's skirts? You know, why not stand up? Yes, I said that. You know, take take control of yourself. I don't believe anything about uh, George Michael taking crack cocaine in the last few weeks. I really don't. This has come from his so-called cousin. How he knows, I've got no idea. He says he was dragged back into the dark side. You don't know anything at all. You didn't go to the house. You didn't see his body. I mean, what are you saying? You're actually better than the uh, the pathologist who did the toxicology report. They didn't find any evidence of crack cocaine. Where are you getting your information from, dear? You're talking to the fairies again or something? 
don't believe a word of it. The police would have found that, wouldn't they? The, the, the pathologist would have found crack cocaine in the last few weeks of his life. It would have been in the system. They'd have found it. That's what they do. They take everything out and they go, there is evidence that he took. There was no evidence of anything. That's why they're having to do it again. So how you think you know better, why they even put you on television. You weren't much cop years ago. Now you're still trotting out the same old stuff. George would be delighted, wouldn't he, to see you. I wonder if your son's going to get anything out of the will. Can't wait to read this will. This will is going to be so telling on who, you know, what, what's the next thing? People complaining about, oh, I should have been left stuff, but uh, the balance of his mind was altered. Still managed to drive his car, still managed to be back in the recording studio. Shows how little these so-called people know, isn't it? So-called people. Dreadful, isn't it? Uh, what else we got here? Spy cam teaching assistant. This is, um, oh dear me, this is terrible. This is not a nice story. This is a teaching assistant who's been jailed for four years after hiding cameras to spy on children as they change for P.E. He worked in a primary school. Jonathan Burt put them in a gym in the boys' toilets and uh, he secretly filmed people taking showers and um, police who seized... He lives in Blackpool. Oh, he did live in Blackpool. Uh, police seized his computer equipment, discovered the secret films he made in a hidden folder. The choice you can't hide anything on computers now. People, that's why, didn't, wasn't that how Gary Glitter got caught out? He took his computer in to be uh, serviced or something, and somebody found it on what they thought was a hidden fault. You can't hide anything. You've got to go for deep, deep, deep clean on a computer to lose everything. But, of course, if you've got that stuff on there in the first place, they can check the history. You know, even if you think you've managed to lose it, they, 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 they can check history. Somebody said to me, have you got anything rude on your telephone? I thought, well, like what? As you know, pictures of yourself? Absolutely not. I mean, I don't even think I've got any selfies on the phone. But I bet there's probably a few people who've got, you know, pictures of themselves on the uh, on the phone. Not me. I've got pictures of me standing next to the Christmas tree in a big hotel in London. That's that's the last picture of me. Oh, no, sorry, the last picture is of me showing you a piece of fake grass. That's how interesting my pictures are. Or a picture of my breakfast at Patisserie Valerie's. You know, that's how exciting my pictures are. I don't do exciting pictures. I'm not that sort of person. I said it wouldn't be taking pictures of me climbing out the shower or anything like that. I mean, that would just be too horrendous for everybody. I'm just thinking, I take pictures. I've taken pictures of my car before now, um, which is, again, equally boring and dull. Uh, and I've got pictures here. Wait a minute, I'm just having a quick... Yeah, a picture of fake grass, uh, Christmas tree in the hall at home, a picture of this studio taken at 25 to 5 in the morning, more, more, more pictures of fake grass, uh, a picture of... Uh, my godchildren's sitting room after we'd attacked some of the presents, then a picture of lots of other presents. <laughs> they do very well. Picture of the Magic Circle Theatre. Uh, oh, dear. It all jumped around all over the place. Picture of my Gold Archiva Award. Did I mention my Gold Archiva Award? Just mention it casually. I don't know why I took it. I don't remember taking pictures of that. I really don't. A picture of a cocktail I had. That's a drink. And uh, a picture of some other cocktails, and then a picture of my uh, my patio with some plants on it before they all burst, you know, out. A uh, picture of hanging baskets and a picture of the uh, of the mal when people were having that, th and that's it. That's how dull my oh, and snow taking pictures of snow. Talking to Gatwick Airport says Chris, what do you think about having to buy your food on drinks uh, and drinks on British Airways flights like you do on EasyJet and Ryanair? Good, good. I don't have a problem with that, because sometimes you don't want the food, do you? I'd rather have a cheaper flight than sort of worry about all these other things. No, I think that's a great idea. 
You know, then you can choose what you want. Or, failing that, take your own food on. Are you allowed to do that? I'm not sure. Uh, fake tan on men is rising. The seven-year-old girl appearing on the talent show in the Philippines. People complaining. She's too young. She shouldn't be on the television. Um, courgettes off the menu. The rain in Spain is also killing lettuces. Uh, the too sexy for my job benefits blonde does a photo shoot to prove she really is well past her sell-by. I mean, seriously, she'd have to be a lap dancer. It'd have to be a pretty dark place. And Robbie Williams blames his odd behaviour on George Best. We'll try and work that one out. Oh, and boozers are busier than coffee shops. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Are you well? Go- oh, no, don't, don't shout at the same time, really. It's terribly tedious for me. And also, I've got dreadful hearing at the moment. Wednesday, the 18th of January. Get ever nearer. Ever nearer payday. And that's the only thing you can be grateful for in January. Because believe you me, by the end of this month, you're going to have so many bills coming in. You're going to be going, oh, my God. Reminds me of the little lady who wrote to one of the companies who kept sending her bills. And uh, this story featured in the Reader's Digest many years ago, which we always used to read in the uh, in the doctor's surgery or the dentist's surgery. <laughs> I don't know why. They were always, you know, a nice handy little book and everything else. And it was the story of this lady, little old lady. And she got so sick to death of people sending her bills that she wrote to one of them. And she said, dear sir, uh, you sent me this latest bill. I have a system. Every month I put all my bills in the hat, take one out and pay it. And if you don't stop next month, I'm not going to put your bill in the hat. So there you go. Uh, The marathon ban for Kate, Wills and Harry over security fears. What security fears? I mean, surely they could... Well, listen, if Harry's wandering about town at the moment, you know, with Meghan, not that I believe she's over here, but but if if they are over here together and they're going out and meeting the family, the Queen's going, bring her around, Harry. No, of course, she won't be be meeting the Queen or Prince Philip or anybody like that. I doubt she's met Princess Anne. I doubt she's even met Charles. I shouldn't imagine, you know, they go, oh, she, she she met Kate because she gave her a present of a diary. Well, you don't think Kate's got a diary or something? What a dumb present to give. Uh, the police need our support. Nick Knowles has done a, a good piece in the papers today about the police needing our help. Because a lot of them, you know, become very depressed and demoralised by the way they're treated on the streets. And you see them, you know, mainly having to deal with drunks. It's mainly drunks out on the street, in certain places, you think, oh, that's a nice place to go to. And then they go, and here it is on a Friday night. And that's when it all kicks off. It's all the chavvy, fat, overweight blobs who are out there wrestling the street, kebab in one hand, knickers in the other. You know, all right, mate, really like you. You know, and it goes like that. And the police have to pick up the pieces. And they get shouted at, they get spat at, they get, you know, people... And they're taking and driving away. I think we should have and adopt the situation that the Americans have, which is if somebody's going down the motorway and they're careering through there, the police in America, unlike here, they will happily smash their cars into the into the fleeing vehicle. They don't care if they can take it out of the equipment. Here, we pander along behind them. Like the people driving it give a forex. Oh, we're being chased by the police. Wait a minute. I think they're going for a bailout. And they get out and they run off and then they go, should we get a dog in and see if we can find them? You know, so up turns the poodle and they sort of send it down a country path. Never finds anybody. Only on occasions. And so the Americans, they don't care about that. No, no, it's right off a police car. Smash into the side, knock it off the road. Everybody happy. Takes the takes all, all the problem out of it. Over here, we can have people driving for 45 minutes. And then they have to send up the police helicopter. 
You know, the police in America wouldn't waste time on things like that. Uh, the um, the row over the Ealing Council. I like that one, actually. I like the idea that when it went uh, to a website, the council had to back down very quickly. The top linguist who says we should learn Urdu and Polish. I wonder why those two. Urdu is very difficult to learn, I would think. Marjorie, I think probably by contrast, Polish would be quite difficult. I just know swear words in Polish. I don't know anything else. My hairdresser, Akasha, just teaches me rude words. I don't know why we do that, don't we? You know, when you're sort of going through the dictionary years and years ago, when somebody gives you a first dictionary, you look up rude words to see if they're in there. And, uh, and swear words. I wonder how many swear words you can actually find inside the dictionary. Uh, Theresa May's message to Britain, deal or no deal, we will leave the EU. And uh, Liberty X are returning, uh, but not as a group, they're returning as a girl group. Liberty X, dear God, that's a bit bad, isn't it? They must be really desperate. I think one of them was... Um, oh, I can't remember what some of the people were. One of them was a bit naff. And, um, and the other two, so I'm sure they'll, they'll do really badly. Who cares about Liberty Act? These groups who start reforming, nobody cares. We really don't. Uh, but here is a mum of three. She's the budget queen. She's money-saving. Her name's Danielle Ross. And uh, she can feed her family of five for... £38 a week. A family of five. Take note, Westbrook. On Monday, cod in parsley sauce with new potatoes and green beans. Tuesday, homemade chicken nuggets, jacket potatoes and salad. Sounding nice, this this menu, isn't it? Time we get to Wednesday, lasagna and garlic bread. Yumma, yumma, yumma. Uh, Thursday, homemade burgers with wedges. Friday, roast chicken with vegetable. Saturday, chicken salad with homemade croutons using leftover chicken. And Sunday, kofta's mint yoghurt and savoury rice. (gasps) I mean, she does this on 40 quid a week. She said, if I wasn't sticking to a budget, I'd be spending £600 a month. But um, the kids seem to be very healthy on it. She says, never deviate. These are the hints for actually being able to do this. Don't deviate from your shopping list. Cook with the kids. They're more likely to eat it when they know what's in it. Blend or grate vegetables into sauces. It's a great way to bulk out meals. Uh, Shy away from deals. Own brand is usually cheaper. So there you go. So she can feed a family on 38 quid a week. I mean, that's not bad, is it? 160 quid a month she can feed a family of five. There's mum and dad and, and three kids. Blimey. I tell you what, she needs to be put on television immediately. I think there's uh, there's the guest today. That's what they're going to be going for, aren't they? On on uh, Not on Loose Women. I don't know who they've got. I think they've got Gary Barlow this week. <sighs> Try and explain why the figures have nodded off on the programme. Maybe because it's just a bit dull and you suddenly realise that all the people singing on the Gary Barlow programme, the only ones who are any good are professional singers. They're already in shows. The rest of them are just sort of these people who turn up and they go, oh yeah, because my mum says I'm a singer. And they open their mouth and they can't sing. They can't hold a note. They can't pitch. You know, if somebody goes pitch, that's why they brought out auto-tune. Auto-tune is this piece of electronic equipment that a lot of groups use. You can hear it uh, on records that have used it. And it pitches the person so it makes them sound like they can sing. That's why, you know, you, you hear some groups and then you hear them live and you go, oh my God, they can't sing. They really can't sing. It's like listening to Susan Boyle. When you hear a, I dreamed a dream, you know, and uh, lovely dear, very sweet, but you couldn't manage in the West End. And, uh, and then she makes all the money. She, apparently she's lost a lot of weight. I don't think it's made her any more attractive, but she's lost the weight. Anyway, I mean that in a caring way, you know, because you'd never look at Susan Boyle and go, oh, would you? I mean, unless you were really, really sick. 
uh, all really, really desperate. And, uh, and so she's lost the weight, but she's made about four million. And that's through clever studio work. Very clever studio work. Once they, they, they put their mind to it in a studio, whoa, they could, they could probably turn, well, not, not Jordan, admittedly. I don't think you could put Jordan into a, into a room and she could sing it. She's doing this lip syncing at the moment, which is about as bad as it gets for her. And she's doing it with, um, with Ben Fogel. And he said he's going to make a programme with her. God, truth, Ben, honestly. Won't be inviting her around the house anytime soon, I hope. Uh, plus, in a bid to stave off dementia, Raymond Briggs writes lists around the place. He's got, he writes words. And somebody told me, they did a programme on the television, it was very interesting, that uh, this lady in the kitchen has got cards with kettle, biscuits, tea, in big letters. And she puts the cards out so she knows where everything is. And so if she wants, she knows if she's making a cup of coffee, she needs the coffee from here. It's marked coffee. And then the kettle. And then there'll be a thing, water. Just so you know. I know it sounds really stupid. But if you've got dementia, that's the best way of jogging somebody's memory. An old people's home a while ago. Do you remember? They, um, they built a little parade of shops, actually, within the uh, the enclave that they had. And they put real stuff in there. So they had a little fruit and veg shop. They had a newspaper shop. They found newspapers that they could put in there. And people could go in there and buy things. And it, it made, it jogged their memory. They need to be reminded of stuff. If you've got somebody who's, who's going through dementia, you know how awful it can be. How dreadfully frustrating for the person themselves. They really can. Because for, for the person who's got dementia, they don't know. They don't know necessarily half the time what, what's going on. So if they're driving down a motorway and they're driving on the wrong side of the road, they don't see it as being the wrong side of the road. They'd see it as being the right side of the road. And everybody else is doing it wrong. Uh, what have we got here? The um, um, uh, Just three days before he's sworn in as the new US president. I think Ian Dale has flown out on a, on a plane already. He tweeted that the other day. And I think uh, Farage is going out there and Katie Hopkins is going out there. I'm thinking of going to Australia. I was thinking about going to Australia, maybe sort of February sort of time. Because the, the, the producer's going out there. And I'm like, I could go out to Australia at the same time. And I could introduce him to sort of social workers, because the, the parents have moved. But then, perhaps if we did find your parents, then I could sort of, you know, become like your best buddy out there. And you could introduce me to all your chums in the neighbourhood. We could go out maybe on our bicycles and, uh, and then go and do wheelies down the road. Uh, like that. That'd be good, wouldn't it? And then we could go to the swimming pool and probably have an ice cream or something. <laughs> do you have friends in Australia? I'm, I'm intrigued by this kind of thing. Do you? <coughs> Do they not talk to you either? Oh, you've got friends in England. Good. Heavens above. Well, there you go. You live and learn, don't you? And you've got friends in Australia. How excited. Did they send you a Christmas card? Funny that. Your parents never did, did they? No, funny. You have to try and work these things out. Why people who barely see you would send you a Christmas card? Of course, you're fibbing, I know. And, uh, and your parents wouldn't send you a Christmas card. You know, because it's just they don't like you. And, and they just don't want to waste money on a card. I don't know why we bother with cards, actually. I quite like sending them. But when you think about it, somebody just opens it up and goes, oh, it's from Steve. Puts it on the mantelpiece. Or if you haven't got a mantelpiece, you throw it on the fire or something. If you haven't got a fire, make one. And, uh, and they just go, oh, Steve sent me a card. They don't realise the love and the expense that I've gone to to buy that box of cards in Costco, to put stamps on there. I mean, one year, all the cards I sent were musical cards, like in the nuke of the north, isn't it? Really, bless his little heart. Honestly, they could. You could do the Polar Express film, Paul Smith, all by yourself. You really could. It's very cold outside. Somebody wrote in and said it's very cold at Gatwick. Well, don't go there then. 
go somewhere warm. Very frosty. Yeah. They, on my car, ice. It's all little... I thought it was little water globules. And I touch one, rock hard. Rock hard. And uh, so it's, it's very icy out there. So be careful. That's why you've, very, you've got your muff up. So that's good. That's what we like. See you in the morning. Very exciting. No, see, no, see you in the evening. See you in the evening. Makes it, makes it sound better. Paul Smith, our newsreader, will be back with us tomorrow. The ex-apprentice contestant suing Trump over sex assault claims. This is um, Summer, I think it's Zervos. And uh, she's accused him of unwanted sexual touching in 2007. 2007, I mean, it's unbelievable. And uh, officials estimate no more than 900,000 people will be in the capital for the celebrations. Uh, but Mr Trump says people are pouring into Washington in record numbers. Uh, Vladimir Putin yesterday accused the Obama administration of trying to undermine Donald Trump as he rubbish claims that Kremlin spies filmed the president-elect with prostitutes. Uh, he actually said that, um, you know, the Russian prostitutes are the best in the world. Well, I mean, I, I would have no doubt about that. They certainly know how to uh, milk the situation, as it were. They uh, they did a feature in one of the things. They went to a club and there were loads of, of R- Russian prostitutes. But they didn't want just money. They wanted nice, expensive jewellery. That's what they're looking for. That's what they're looking for. It's almost a career move, I think, I would guess. And guess what? Silly Lily and Bimona still don't get it. Lily Allen. Good God, she's not still around, is she? Lily Allen. Weren't you going to be adopting somebody from uh, from Calais? Has that happened? All these people who said they were going to do it and then it turns out they were just telling lies. Want to live longer? Cut calories by a fifth. So you've got to cut back. I brought some milk in today. It's gold top type milk. but well, it, is, it is gold top milk. And it's very nice. But I haven't had a lot of it. I gave a little bit to Paul Smith. He liked it. But, uh, but the producer doesn't drink milk. You know, brought up in, in Australia and doesn't drink milk. I mean, that's just ridiculous, isn't it? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Wednesday, 18th of January. And um, hope you're well, says Karen. I think so, yeah. I mean, I don't... Um, yeah, I think I'm OK, actually. I don't know, actually. It depends whether you call little twinges or things like... I don't know what's going on. Who knows what goes on inside our bodies? Who knows? I certainly don't. Uh, 15 minutes listening to you in my police car. Oh, my God, we found one. Whilst on vigilant overnight uniform police patrol. Yes, we are out here. A few of us listening occasionally. Incidentally, I also use an electronic cigarette, says Kevin. Um, I tend to appreciate the benefit of it when I pause for breath. Ironically, if you pause for breath, I might better keep pace of your lightning fast changing of subjects. I can move really fast. If I really put my mind to it, if I, if I really go fast... I could seriously lose people with it. I mean, I, I, can, I can go very fast. Sarah Vine echoes what I said on the programme the other day when there was a lovely picture of Vic Beckham there. Of all the many reasons, says Sarah, why Victoria Beckham should never have received an OBE for services to fashion, this picture is the most illustrative. Here she is shopping in London, dressed in what are thought to be her own creations. If this is award-winning fashion sense, then I'm Elle McPherson. She was wearing those ridiculous flared yellow trousers which didn't suit her at all because they didn't fit her because she's so scrawny you know to 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 wear things that fit this these trousers are meant to be worn tight that's the whole idea of wearing and flared trousers dear so 70s so dated uh, the jumper not even very attractive with a with a big neck i mean the hair i don't know perhaps she should have worn a hat with it or something like a beanie hat uh, sarah also talks about the truth about the carnival of mayhem she says finally the police have come out 
and said what everyone knows to be true but has never dared admit for fear of being branded racist. The Notting Hill Carnival is no more a celebration of Caribbean culture than Katie Price is a Vestal Virgin. I don't know, she might have been. Whatever the noble origins of this event, these days it's little more than an excuse for drug dealers, thugs and other assorted criminals to go on the rampage under the banner of community relations, causing mayhem and bloodshed and posing a serious danger to the public. Even on Children's Day, even on the Children's Day, you know, it does tend to be drug culture. The police, I think, in many cases have to turn a blind eye to it. They're worried about being accused of being racist because apparently this is this is part of somebody's culture to smoke drugs. And so Sarah Vine says even the mayor, Sadiq Khan, has effectively rejected the recommendations by ruling out moving or cancelling the festival, which uh, she says here is an indication of what an empty-headed lightweight he's turning out to be. Well, he has got no control over that whatsoever. People, people would uh, would take him to court, wouldn't they, if you if you banned the Notting Hill Carnival? Although, if if proof were needed, you don't need to agree with Sarah Vine or agree with the police. Ask the people who live in Notting Hill most of whom have nothing at all to do with the carnival. They get out of town as quick as possible over Carnival weekend because people open their doors to find people urinating outside their door. I mean, really? You know, this, isn't, this is not isolated cases. This is happening on a, on a very big scale. And uh, it's a nightmare. I mean, how much it costs, I've got no idea to police the blooming thing, but it does turn out to be it's sound systems and drugs. And that's it. And a lot of illegal traders, people selling things illegal. It's just it's it's just turned into something. It's got nothing at all to do with what the origins of it were. It's now it's gone so far down the line. I mean, you could literally run the same pictures every year. It's the same thing. There's floats. There's people dancing. There'll be a jolly policeman dancing with a big busted woman who will be holding his helmet. You know, uh, I've got some pictures on my phone of my favourite hanging baskets from last season, full of verbena and giant fiery orange cascading begonias. It makes me feel warm, says CJ. Yeah, I mean, don't you put pictures on your phone nowadays that make you feel good? That make you feel good about things? You know, you put a picture on there of snow or a pussycat or... It can be all sorts of things, can't it? They had pussycats on this morning the other day. They were obviously Holly Willoughby's pussycats because they were a bit like the Blue Peter ones. They didn't want to be where they were. The Blue Peter ones, they had to literally super glue. They don't really, of course, uh, to the cushions because the moment they take the hand off them, they're gone. They want to go back to their basket. I know because I've been there. Uh, a bake-off is on the menu, say new BBC boss. This is the chairman, Sir David uh, Clementy, who told MPs he'd be disappointed if the broadcaster made a show that was absolutely similar. Because they're never going to find anything, because they've lost bake-off, because they didn't want to waste any more of your money. And then in the Daily Mail today, the old story, nearly a week ago now, that... Uh, for, oh, by the, before I forget, May. May the... Fourth be with you. Uh, no, May the 5th, I think it is. May the 5th or the 2nd. It's certainly the early part of May. Those £5 notes, the old ones, will be obsolete. OK, you will not be able to use them. So the advice is get rid of them as quickly as possible because you're going to forget by May and you can be going into a shop, handing over a five and they're going to be going, it's not legal tender anymore. It ceases to be legal tender. The reason I tell you that is because it, it just it was a little thing that jogged my memory to, to keep checking. I'm going to have a quick check, actually, see if I've got any of those old fivers. I tried to, I tried to get the, news, the new ones as much as possible. Oh, let's have a quick look. Wallet is so heavy. Oh, barely lifted onto the table. And have I got any of the, uh, of the old fivers? No, just the new ones. Like a magic trick, isn't it? Like a magic trick. Yeah, I, I love the new ones. I, th I really like them. I think the colours are bright and vibrant. It's warm to the touch. And, and I just, 
and they're worth a fiver. And they're smaller than the other ones, the paper ones. I got a paper one the other day. I was tempted to say to him, don't give me a paper one. You know, take it back to the bank yourself. I don't want the blasted thing. But uh, perhaps they'll do the same with the with the tenors next. I could have all my, my tennis shape. But it's May, It's about May the 2nd, something like that, uh, for those fivers to be obsolete. And it is from the end of this month. Uh, Radio 2 is ditching live late-night programmes because they can't compete with LBC. You know, audience-wise, they're, they're way behind. Way, 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 way behind. So anybody tuning in after midnight will hear repeats of old programming as well as all live shows which have been axed. All live shows have gone. They're just going to be doing repeats overnight. How dull and boring is that going to be? But there again, that's the BBC. Uh, so they're, they're going to do it. They say it's a, re- a d- direct result of uh, government budget cuts. What a load of old codswallop, honestly. It's because they're sort of thinking, well, listen, we, we, we can, we're not going to get an audience overnight. Commercial radio is way ahead of us, way ahead of us. And, uh, and also, nobody wants to hear old presenters. So here's Mantovani and his orchestra. You know, you don't want to hear stuff like that. You want to hear somebody who's got a bit of oomph in them, a bit of, bit of a sort of go. And so they're ditching all of it. They're ditching all of it. Uh, somebody says, uh, so it says here, the repeats will continue until 5am on weekdays and 6am at the weekends and will include pre-recorded playlists of music chosen by era... Chosen my own oh, until 2 or 3 a.m. And then by genre, uh, John Nicholson, former BBC broadcaster, says it's a very big deal. They're just going to run repeats and that's going. Uh, that's going to be because of the cuts. It's going to have a, refi- a real effect on programming. It's going to have any effect on the audience, though. They would, the, the, the audience, I should imagine, at that time of the morning must be almost brain dead. Poor souls, you know. Oh, it's Radio 2. That's the station you listen to when you're going to die. You know, and so overnight they're going to play all these repeats from the daytime. Bit of an embarrassment, isn't it, really? I suppose mainly because all BBC programmes are woefully overmanned. I should imagine the equivalent of this programme on the BBC would have a staff of at least six people. At least six people. And that's being generous. But uh, they do say here the BBC studios could be in the line of fire. And um, it's interesting. Very interesting when you sort of look at that's it. I've said if they want to save money, get rid of BBC local radio. You don't need it. You could just transmit the normal stuff that comes through their BBC channels into their local radio. Why do you need local radio? You don't. I mean, local radio doesn't serve any useful purpose. You could have a breakfast show and you could have an evening programme, you know, like a drive time. Then the rest of the time you just fill it with anything else you feel like. Can't see it. Notting Hill Carnival in the Daily Mail today. They say uh, a risk of a repeat of Hillsborough. Uh, a lot of people talking about the fact that, you know, uh, they need to take urgent action to, prevec- uh, to protect revellers. Officials say the £8 million event, which brings more than a million people onto the West London streets every August, is at tipping point. I agree. And uh, the police, you know, do their best, but it must be a nightmare for them trying to pretend that they're really enjoying this. It's just tedious. It's just tedious. They were going to... Th- I thought they were thinking some years ago, and I'm sure that this... I might have been wrong. Was it Ken Livingstone who was looking at... Uh, Ken Livingstone, there's a name from the past. Uh, they were thinking of moving it out of town, sticking it in a park or something like that, and let people tramp around in a park. And uh, still to come, revealed why Burberry is so obsessed with signing celebs' children. Oh, dear. Including Romeo Beckham, who apparently got £45,000 for a day's work. How embarrassing. How embarrassing. It was just that, that one-off thing, and they suddenly realised that there's cheaper kids, you know, on the, uh, on the books of the modelling agencies. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. How many people were caught 
using imposters to sit their driving tests. 209. 209. This is uh, figures from the Department for Transport show that 2,009 people were convicted over the past four years. Motoring experts warned the offenders were putting lives at risk. And so what they do is they just turn up and pretend to be somebody else. In September 2016, just gone, a man was given a two-year prison sentence at Croydon Crown Court after taking a series of car, motorcycle and lorry, lorry theory tests on behalf of others. Uh, the DVSA's head of counter-fraud, Andy Rice, says the driving test is there to ensure that all drivers have the skills and knowledge to use the roads. Well, I tell you, you want to drive behind some of the cars I've seen on the roads. God, blimey. Drunks, I thought they were. And so, by being pre prepared to get behind the wheel by fair meals or foul, people hire impersonators and just put everybody's lives at risk. These people should be taken to court. They should be thrown in prison immediately. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And an exclusion zone could be set up around Rome's Colosseum. The 2,000-year-old amphitheatre had, had words sprayed on it in black onto a pillar in a night attack. And so they're now creating, or they think they should, a no-access zone, a red zone. Um, two Brazilians who tried to climb over a gate into the Colosseum on Monday were arrested when they fell 13 feet. Oh, dear. What a shame. And uh, one here says the 15-metre exclusion zone would operate at night because the Colosseum currently has no late-night security due to staff shortages. See? It goes around the world, doesn't it? Goes around the world. I've been to the Colosseum. Very interesting. But it is a theatre of death. That's it. They didn't have sort of happy things in the Colosseum. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't like that. It wasn't, oh, let's go and watch a ballet or something like that. Oh, somebody wrote to me the other day. I had to laugh, actually. I mean, some people are so stupid. Because I said, I said I'd, I'd been... A friend of mine went to a hotel and he had the, uh, the buffet. And uh, the buffet was £500. And this bloke wrote to me. Obviously, as I say, it must be in a home or something. And he said, it's not pronounced buffet. It's pronounced buffet. I thought, God. Matt says, I've saved 55 of those new £5 notes. I love, I love the £5 notes. I want them to do it to all the notes, which is amazing. Uh, Mark says, did you see Fat Gemma on Sugar Farm last night? Unfortunately, I, I wouldn't be interested in anything than that poor old blob featured on Mark. Uh, she was trying to fish for a trout. Not only did she get the cook, the hook caught up on her clothes, she then stormed off with the hump, but in the wrong direction of the river and dropped to her waist in water. Fantastic. No, I mean, nobody likes her. She's about as disliked as they, uh, these people do. Mainly because she complains about everything all the time. She's never managed to actually achieve anything apart from just be fat and go out with a bloke who's in prison. That's about as good as it gets. I mean, she'll probably turn up on one of those, you know, in the psychiatrist chair kind of thing. Uh, the little girl who's caused all the rumpus here is... Uh, she's a, a Taylor Swift lookalike. No, she's not. She's a little seven-year-old girl in full makeup. She's called Giamara Vigor. And she paraded in full red lipstick uh, on a TV talent show. Uh, she's known as Gia. She was appearing on this talent show in the Philippines. Both Priya and, uh, she and her brother Liam, nine, both born in the UK to a Filipino mother, Christy, and a 50-year-old construction worker, Alan. The family were forced to defend her look yesterday following criticism from Piers Morgan. He said this is the sexualisation of a young girl. It is absolutely... He's absolutely right. At one point, her little marching band uniform is ripped off to reveal a little sort of dress. You know, I'm sure she's a very pretty little girl, but they shouldn't put her on the television. Her grandmother says the little girl was just playing a role. She's seven, dear. She's seven. There are people who get off on stuff like that. And uh, she doesn't wear makeup or dress up when she's not on the show. 
Father Alan, who split from the mother, says, we know the bigger picture over here. On the show next week, she's going to dress up as Axel Rose. It's like a pantomime, been taken out of contact. You don't dress little girls up and stick them on the television. It's perverse. It's as simple as that. So Piers Morgan, right yet again. Right yet again. Uh, Lady Marina, who's this? Marina, Marina... No idea. Not a clue. But uh, Margaret's toy boy lover and why the Queen sided with Snowden. They've got a picture of uh, Lord Snowden. I think that's Lord Snowden, isn't it? Oh, no, uh, that's Roddy Llewellyn <laughs> wearing a pair of Speedos because he was sort of once the uh, the other half, wasn't he, of Princess Margaret. She sort of dragged him round to all the uh, all the theatres and everything else. People were going... Because nobody ever said anything to Princess Margaret. They really didn't, but she was... Um, she just enjoyed the company, let's put it this way, of, uh, of young men. Kind of kept her sort of going, I suppose, really. Daily Express this morning, they're, they're the ones talking about diabetes. In middle age, slashing nine years off your life. So we'll come around to that later. And I will try and find out why we should learn Urdu and Polish. Uh, and there's a care home. This is in Witness. It's now become an asylum hostel. Good God, we're still doing that, are we? Security fears are put paid to plans by the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge and Harry to run in this year's London Marathon. Perhaps he could run with Meghan. Perhaps she could run with him. But of course, I don't even believe this girl exists. I think she's a figment of our imagination. We keep telling her she's over here at the moment and they're madly in love and everything else. So why does Harry keep hanging around with his brother? Forge your own career, mate. Stop latching onto somebody else's coattails. But, um... Uh, the, Kate was wearing a, a lovely dress the other day, worth £1,500. Lovely. And uh, they're actually sort of flogging their own their own charity, aren't they? Uh, I think launching this mental health campaign with um, Sean Williams and uh, footballer Rio Ferdinand and Kate Silverton. It's an odd choice, but I'm sure it fits in somewhere. But uh, Kate Silverton, who has a degree in child psychology... Was there as well, but uh, but they're, they're they're not going to be running because of this security fear. We can't, you know. Well, if Harry's trotting around town with little Megan, you know that would be uh, that would be more interesting, wouldn't it? I suppose. But as I say, I'm just wondering why the papers don't have any pictures. There are no pictures in the paper. Little little Megan arriving in the country, you know. And I I would like to uh, I would like to see that. I would like to see her over there, uh, here doing anything. But I just don't believe it. Uh, Steve, I usually podcast up with a spike this morning, says Anne, but off to Croydon. Sympathy card in the post. Not not to me. Send one to uh, that uh, that latest person who's disported themselves in front of the uh, the camera. That's Chris Mears, the diver. Why? I've got no idea. His parents must be horrified. Uh, having diabetes in middle age. They've done a survey of 30 to 79-year-olds, found that those diagnosed with diabetes lived an average of nine years fewer the non-sufferers, in some rural areas, it rose to 10 years. The decade-long Chinese study estimated that sufferers aged 50 were almost twice as likely to die over the next 25 years, 69%, compared with the otherwise similar individuals on 38%. Diabetes was found to raise the risk of dying from chronic kidney disease, chronic liver disease, and infection and cancer of the liver, pancreas and breast. Oh, God, I'm suicidal now. It's the kind of thing you don't want to hear, isn't it, really? You just don't want to you know, try to work out exactly which sort of years you're, you're coming up to. I really don't like that kind of... We shan't read that again, don't worry. But uh, Raymond Briggs, you should read The Man Who Brought You the Snowman. And he's written down words. Some of the words he's written down. Labyrinth, secular, prostate, uh, bottle. Uh, he can't spell bottle. It's, it's amazing the, uh, the inaccuracies in the spelling. But he's taken to writing lists of words to help him remember things. 
At least he's making an effort, isn't he? At least he's making an effort. I think that's brilliant. I'm very, very, very impressed. Very, very impressed with him. He's a very clever man. Very clever man. Modelling's in the genes. You know, some people are just naturally attractive, aren't they? Some people, not round here, but I mean, some people are naturally attractive and you go, you could be a model. And, and then you see other people and you go, you're never going to be a model at all. You really aren't. Urdu and Polish, two of the most common languages spoken in the UK, says David. Really? Urdu? Blimey. I would have thought Chinese. You know, Mandarin, Cantonese. I told you, that's my fantasy. To go to bed one night and then to develop a programme that you plug yourself in, and when you wake up in the morning, you're speaking a language. And you could, and I wouldn't mind, you know, they say it's going to cost a thousand quid, but we will put this into your mind so you'll be hearing phrases. It's like sleep learning. No, you heard, you've heard of sleep apnea. This would be the other version of it, whereby you go to sleep and you learn while you're asleep. And so to wake up speaking another language would be brilliant. Brilliant. My ultimate ambition, my ultimate fantasy is to go into a Chinese restaurant and order in Chinese. Because nobody would believe it. They'd be dragging the whole kitchen out there. Go on, say that again, say that again. He orders in Chinese. Yes, I speak um, speak Cantonese. It's like Sichuan accent, but you know. And uh, I'd love to be able to do that. How exciting would that be? I'd like to be able to speak Australian, but as I say, there's nobody out there who speaks Australian either, so you've got nothing in common with it. What would you talk about? The weather. The weather. It's another hot day on Bondi Beach. Could be a bit dreary, couldn't it, I suppose? 84850, oh, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Um... The blonde is the uh, is the woman who was in the papers. I think she's in this one here. Uh, she was in the papers uh, probably a couple of weeks ago, and uh, she's doing a course in she's doing a course in oh car maintenance. But she can't get a job in a garage because all the men hit on her. That means they sort of come on to her and they sort of go, oh, you know, you're really attractive. Why don't you do this? I mean, she used to be a pole dancer. As I say, it was obviously fairly dark in there because they, they've managed to get her... Oh, I've lost the paper. they managed to get her to pose. And I did show the picture to the uh, to the producer earlier on. I don't want to be sort of accused of sort of, you know, being anti this, uh, this poor creature. But to be honest with you, she's really nothing. She's absolutely nothing. I mean, she got her nickname, Blonde Marie. Uh, she's, she's a benefit person as well. She doesn't work. And so she's stripped off to reveal the curve, she says, making it impossible to get a job. She was a lap dancer. She rakes in 26 grand a year in benefits. She has got eight children. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. No mention of a father anywhere, which I'm slightly disturbed by. And uh, she said her bid to find work as a mechanic has been thwarted because she's so beautiful. Oh, I promise you, darling, you really aren't. You really aren't beautiful. I mean, if you seriously are that delusional... You know, have a look at her online. Her name's Marie Buchan. And uh, she's an ex-lap dancer. She's whipped off her clothes to show the assets, she says, are handicapping her job search. You really aren't beautiful. I'm sorry, you know, there's no point in lying to you. Why would somebody want to lie to you? But uh, anyway, uh, last year she received hate mail after boasting on uh, ITV show Mylene Class Single Mums on Benefits about how easy it is to claim benefits. She says, you obviously have a baby. You send off the application form, birth certificate. They assess you. You've got your money. It's very easy. So she's got eight of them. But no mention where the, where the fathers are. That's, I'm not remotely interested in getting her to sit on a chair. I mean, really, you'd have to be a pole dancer, dear, lap dance. You couldn't be anything else. You're certainly not going to be any other sort of model. And uh, I'm really not too beautiful. Not too beautiful. She thinks she's too pretty to work. I'd be cutting benefits left, right and centre. I'm, I'm terrible at things like that. I really would be. I'm sorry. I just don't see... What do you mean you can't work? When you manage to find work, you know... And she used to be a carer as well. 
Uh, Mike says, with your comments, aren't you afraid Prince Harry's listening to the show? Prince Harry, well, it's quarter to six in the morning. Of course he's not going to be listening to the show. He's got Meghan Markle in his bed, hasn't he, at the moment? She's staying at 1A Kensington Palace. You don't think they're sitting up there having tea and toast, do you? course not, if indeed she's even in the country. As I say, I've seen no evidence of this. There's normally there'd be loads of, of pictures in the papers. Here she is going shopping. Here she is having a, a waxing. Here she is, you know, having her hair done or something. I don't know. But, I mean, we haven't seen any pictures. That's why I don't believe she's here. And they go, oh, he's really smitten with her. Oh, give up on the smitten rubbish. Nobody cares about smitten. He's 32 years old, for goodness sake. He's not going to be getting married anytime soon, just in case the uh, half-brother's going to turn up with a gun threatening everybody in the bloody church. You can imagine how bad that would be, can't you? Mad brothers here. Oh, I'm so sorry, Harry. God, here when you get down. You can have... Oh, dear me. They'll be having to do that. And also, I think for Harry, it's not going to be anything like Prince William's marriage, is it? Harry will be, as I say, just around the corner. You know, 25 quid or something. Do you take her? Yes. Do you take him? Yes. Done. Thank you. You know, husband and wife. All right, bye. And then you tiddle out and you go and have sort of the local wimpy bar lays on a spread for you. Something like that. You could probably go, actually, I should reckon Harry could probably get a discount in, in a restaurant, couldn't he? But he doesn't seem to eat out in posh places, does he? That's the one thing he doesn't have, is class. He doesn't, so you don't see him going to sort of the Ritz or the Dorchester or the Ivy or anything like that. Somebody asked me the other day, after I mentioned the Ivy on the programme, because it was celebrating 100 years, somebody said, are they paying you for this? I wish. <laughs> I wish. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. I hope you're well. I hope you're sort of struggling through this month. You probably are if you've had a horrendously expensive Christmas or you've had birthdays or those bills have started coming in and you start thinking, oh, goodness me, what do we do? What do we do? And the answer is just got to wait a little bit longer. Look, we did discover somebody the other day who got paid, I think, on the 15th of this month, which I thought was uh, a little bit of a treat, seeing as we all... We, so now we're up to the 18th. We all go through to the um, uh, 25th, I think. Something like that. It's always the last sort of Friday in the month. But uh, somebody who worked... I think it was Haringey Council said that they, they got paid on the 15th. I thought it must be quite exciting because it really is. It's, it's a bit of a stretch over the Christmas period, isn't it? Because you bought your food. But as I've said to you before... All you have to do is every week put put a little bit of money into a jar in the kitchen. Put all your loose change. Every day when you get home, I do it. And every so often I go and uh, empty it out. And I'm, I'm generally quite surprised at how much I've got. I think the last time was about 280 quid. Before that, it was about 450 quid. Because I literally just empty my pockets out of all the change. And I put it in jars... And then I take it up to one of these coin star machines and I change it up because I can't be because banks won't won't change it unless you've got an account with them. So that's not much use to me. So I take it up to the coin star machine, pour it all in there. And if you save that all the way through the year, when you do it at Christmas time, you'll have enough to pay for Christmas. Save you having to go uh, go broke. And uh, Nigel says, I've just looked up Marie Buchan. It's it's spelt B-U-C-H-A-N, as you suggested. She really is delusional if she thinks she's good looking. I know, well, that's, that's the choice. She's too good looking. She's too pretty, she thinks. Unfortunately, I tend to find that lap dancers tend not to fall into the pretty category. They tend to call, you know, to, to fit into the hard-faced kind of category because they're used to disporting themselves around a pole. Uh, Sarah says, I'm in my husband's bad books. Tuesday, drinking with my best friend, followed by a fall in the hallway. Couldn't get up, and this morning I've got a terrible twisted knee. Fail. Well, that would upset him. It's either that or start drinking. That's very upset. That's like watching the Big Brother house and watching some of the 
I mean, really terrible people in there. The language. And then, you know, poor old Nicola McLean, who talks like the three-year-old. She's a little bit like Gemma Collins. A little bit tall like that. They've got sort of whiny voices. You know, that a little bit like uh, poor old Jordan. It's a whiny voice. Really, really whiny. And uh, Nicola McLean is just... I mean, she's obviously 35, but sort of inwardly, I should imagine, she's about 70. Because she can't handle her booze at all. And it's, they shouldn't give it to them. They really shouldn't. Uh, Matt says, um, <laughs> I, I went into a Chinese restaurant and ordered the whole meal in Cantonese. He says, I ended up with a nine-foot model of the QE2, three tractor tyres and a budgerigar in a cage. <laughs> I'd just love to do it. I just, just, I mean, I just wish I could do it, but I'm, I'm not clever enough to do anything like that. Uh, Julie says, wish me a happy birthday. 49 years young. No, 49 years old, dear. 49 years old. You're never going to be 49 years young, are you? Otherwise, you'd be sort of a fetus. So you are only 49 years old. They always go, 79 years young. You go, no, 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 no. Nearing death. You know, there's no point in beating around the bush. You can't be young. You can be young in heart. That's another word for simple. And uh, and Viv says, you're making me laugh this story with the Harry stories. Well, it's only because I just I just don't sort of get some members of the royal family. I just I just really don't get it. You know, the hardest working member of the royal family is, I think, Princess Anne. I think hotly followed by the Queen, Prince uh, Prince Philip. You know, everybody except Prince Andrew's ghastly daughters, who don't appear to do anything at all. But there again, how disappointed would you be if you went somewhere where you get, we've got a member of the royal family? I mean, the day that they use them on the Royal Variety Performance is the day that they close the Royal Variety Performance down. Much easier. And... Um, Somebody says, I'm Frank is uh, working in Dublin, bless his heart. Somebody's got to. So I'm currently working. Coming back on the bus, uh, at a restaurant called the Chelsea Drugstore. Took me back to your conversation you spoke about last week, although not around in the 60s. I feel after hearing you talk about it, I definitely missed out. Oh, you did with the Chelsea Drugstore. It was only called that because it was, that was, that's what it was called, the Chelsea Drugstore. It's a McDonald's now. It's not as exciting, is it, really? Uh, not sure if I was dreaming. But just before I fall asleep at night, Green Bay, Wisconsin, did you have a fixation about shamwows? Yeah, I did. Very difficult to get hold of them. Very difficult. I'm trying to find the company that distributes them in this country. The sh- What? Shamwows. And uh, I love them. I do buy them, but they're terribly expensive. It's only just a piece of cloth from Germany that sort of soaks up ten times the amount of... Have you heard of shamwows? Do you know what they are? Oh, right. They're just cloths. I have had delivery of ShamWows in the office. It's funny how it's still stuck with you, that, isn't it? <laughs> I like them. I like them. I use them all the time. But I'm never sure if I'm buying genuine ShamWows or, or foreign ShamWows, which are copies. I don't know. Can't tell the difference. Sometimes you see them demonstrating them, and then they do you a big roll of them. When they're all done nicely in a box, they charge you the earth for them. But I think they're generally about... They can't cost that much. It's like a felt kind of thing. And what they generally do is empty a whole litre of Coca-Cola into a bowl. They put the shamwo in and it soaks it all up. You know, not that you'd be doing that at home. But if you did want to empty a litre of Coca-Cola into a bowl, the shamwo would pick it up. I love them. They do little ones as well, but I'm not really into the little ones. I just like the big ones. And, uh, and they're bright orange. But I'm always having trouble getting them. I bought some on eBay once. She was an old crook. She didn't deliver. Got my money back. <laughs> Nobody messes with the Allen. Uh, <laughs> I've got a radio programme. Uh, so the Khans will actually get over it. Uh, well, she thinks she will. Uh, whether she will or not, I've got no idea. And um, Amir Khan, of course, uh, made this uh, video. He's now appeared on a US porn site, and I believe there's another two 
on the way round. Oh, dearie, dearie me. I mean, honestly, I sincerely hope that uh, Emir Khan's parents will be having a quiet word with him, seeing as they had more than a few loud words with his wife about how bad a person she was. Now they know they've got a dirty boy for a son who only, I think, a matter of weeks, you know, uh, was sort of doing this online. And now a British Olympic hero was said to be, wait for this, horrified after a shock sex tape was leaked on the internet. Chris Mears, 23, who won one of Team GB's first ever gold medals, is seen on camera performing an X-rated sex act. A number of other nude selfies also appear online. He and diving partner Jack Lohr won the synchronised three-metre springboard in Rio. He was made an MBE. He made no comment last night, but Pal says he was horrified by events. Well, don't be so stupid. Why did you do it? You did it. You did it. X-rated photographs and a video as well. Go on, Mr Mears, please. Stop stop pleading like the big girl. You know, said, oh, I'm horrified. Well, why did you do it? You were the one who did it. Nobody made you do it. God in heaven. And he's got an award. And he's got an MBE. Must be the first person to perform a sex act on the, on the internet who's got an MBE. Dear me, not good, is it, really? Steve, uh, £2.09 saved for 365 days gave me £762 at the end of 2016. Less than what you pay for uh, Costa-Lot coffee. I think that's good, though. Wouldn't £762 pay for Christmas? I would have thought so. I would have thought so. I mean, there's a woman in the paper, as you now know, who can feed a family of five on 38 quid a week. And they sounded nice meals. There was nothing really that I didn't like in there, even down to the to the uh, to the kofta kebabs and things. I mean, she was really good, very good indeed. We do get people like that, don't we? We get people who are very good at doing home economy, which we're all supposed to be able to manage. But to be honest, I'm rubbish at it. I mean, absolute rubbish. The Great British Pub is still going strong, is it really? And we've got loads that have closed round our way. We've had about three, I think, that have gone, and then they turn them into flats. The last one was turned into flats. Uh, with a co-op underneath it. And you think, what a shame. I suppose because there's too much competition. It's very difficult for, for pubs to make money nowadays. And so when you can actually make some money, you have to do it. But then eventually they go, we can't make this work anymore. So they sell it and it turns into luxury flats. They do it fairly quickly, fairly, fairly quickly. So we've had a few like that. You probably had them around your way. Some of these huge Victorian pubs in the East End of London, you know, where you get sort of a lot of immigrants moving in who maybe don't drink or who wouldn't go and drink in a pub. They'll go to the uh, to the uh, to the off license. They'll go to the supermarket and buy cans of beer and stand at the bus stops swigging it back. But uh, to be honest with you, it's uh, it's sort of a lost cause. It's almost a it's almost a dying thing, isn't it? Pubs, but they're more popular than coffee shops. So I'm slightly pleased to hear that. Steve, life just flies by. Chelsea Drugstore, World's End, Chelsea Potters, Trafalgar, and the Markham Arms. Great days, yes. I remember the Trafalgar very well. I spent many a Sunday in there watching the girls I shared a flat with doing their go-go dancing. I could, I could see it in my mind's eye right now. It's amazing. I used to live in Daska House, which was just on the corner. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Wednesday, the 18th of January. I'm Steve Allen. No more apologies. I'm with you till seven. Again, no more apologies. And I'm here every morning, Monday through Friday, Saturday morning, five till seven. The best of Steve Allen and In Conversation... And I can tell you, one of the guests this week is going to be the actor Jim Carter. And you know Jim, you know him from Downton Abbey, you'll probably know him from Brast Off. Such a nice man, such a nice chat yesterday. The reason he's in is because he's doing his own version of In Conversation at the Tricycle Theatre, 
which is up in Kilburn, uh, where he's interviewing. I think he's got Danny Boyle. I know he's got uh, Dame Maggie Smith and Dame Judy Dench as well. And it'll be an in-conversation, I think, for about an hour or so, and then they'll be taking questions uh, from the audience in there. Go to the Tricycle Theatre's website if you want further details. And He's also married to the fabulous Imelda Staunton, who is... Seriously, I said to him afterwards, I said, I had great difficulty getting your wife to accept compliments. She just doesn't do compliments. And he said, no, she doesn't really. But they don't talk theatre at home. They don't go and uh, analyse things. If he goes to see her in something, they don't sit down and she doesn't go, oh, so what did you think of it? They just don't. They've been together. They know each other so well that he was a super interview. So you'll hear that this weekend. And then on Sunday morning, I'm here from five till seven. And it's our irreverent look at the Sunday papers. I enjoy the Sunday papers. It, it kind of makes the weekend for me because you can have a bit of fun with them. And there's always going to be some scandalous stories. There are scandalous stories in the papers just about every day, especially uh, in the uh, the climate we appear to be in for certain uh, celebrities. I use the word loosely to start exhibiting themselves on the Internet without realising they must have the brain of a pea that somebody the other end is recording them. And then they put it out. They actually put it out on the Internet. And so the latest one, apart from Amir Khan, a very silly boy, if you ask me, you know, a married man. And he was married at the time. He's been caught out. And there's a video that's doing the rounds. And then there's another two to follow. There seem to be loads of these things. We've had it with uh, with all sorts of people. Naked pictures of everybody. The latest one, the diver, Chris Mears. It's also exhibiting himself on the internet. I mean, what an embarrassment. And then they sort of go, oh, they're really shocked. Well, why are they making them in the first place? Why would you ever go onto the internet and start doing something? Even if somebody asked you to do that, the answer would be quite emphatically no. All the people I know have covered up the camera on their computer just in case somebody can peer into your room. Good God, definitely not. Duh, dreadful. Um, ben says, I can't believe in our town, Buckingham, we still have all of our eight pubs. God, you've got an alcohol problem, haven't you? Eight pubs. Never heard of a place with eight pubs before. I think there's something nice about pubs, but pubs have got to change. And so over the, over recent years, you've got more and more pubs doing food. You know, gone are the days when you just have a pub and uh, and they do a cheese and pickle sandwich or a ploughman's or a bowl of soup. Now people want to go there and, and have a have a good meal. I've been to a number of um, of these pubs, which are I think they call them gastro pubs, and they do lovely beer battered fish and chips. They do lasagna. They do burgers. They do because that's what people want. Because people go, you know, to hell with it on a Saturday or a Sunday. We're going out, and uh, we're going to let the pub cook the food for us. And people don't mind paying for it. It's a, it's a very you know, it's a very relaxed atmosphere. It's lovely. I've done it a few times. People have recommended places to me and uh, and said, you know, why don't you try this one? And, try, and I've tried a few places. And some of them are really, really good. Really, really good. And so I, I like them. Sometimes they're a bit far out. But most of the ones I've mentioned so far on my uh, on my Twitter, people are going, oh, yes, we've been there. We love it. We think it's really great. And um, so anyway, I'm sure that you will find some. Eight, though. Eight in Buckingham. I can't believe you've got eight pubs. Seems quite excessive, but they are struggling to keep going. Although the good news is today, more people are going to pubs than sitting in coffee shops. I think the only people who sit in coffee shops are yummy mummies with push chairs. They sort of clog up the coffee shops and uh, we all go, ah, fantastic, it's a coffee shop. Oh, look, there's yummy mummies with prams everywhere. It's like on the bus, isn't it? The other day, some woman tutted at me. OK, so I go up to the bus stop. It's raining. A little bit, not not hard rain. Uh, and she's sitting in 
the bus stop. It's obviously not her child. She's way too old to have this child, so she must have been the mummy looking after it for daughter. And so she's in the bus stop, okay, and she's got the pram in there with her, so she's taken up quite enough room. And um, and I'm standing outside by the bus stop, and there's like a three-foot gap. So she's inside the bus shelter. I'm by the bus stop. The bus comes in, and... One woman gets on, I don't know where she came from, uh, with her with her child. And then I get on. And this woman with the pushchair, who's emerged from the bus shelter, goes, I think you found I was here first. I really wanted to turn around and say something, but she looked a bit simple. And I thought, there's no point in embarrassing her. I sort of saying, care? Because she'd probably spout some racist nonsense. So I, I sort of didn't bother. But I just sort of looked at her thinking, but what do you expect me to do? Am I psychic to know which bus you're getting on? I was standing by the bus shelter, but by, by, by the bus stop. You were inside the bus shelter. Well, kind of stay there, dear. Makes it so much easier, doesn't it? Uh, a picture of the paper today of uh, Nicole Bass. Never heard of her. Not a clue who she is, but apparently she's in uh, Towie. Oh, sorry, she was. She was in Towie, and now she does X on the Beach, which is generally about as low as it gets on television. I don't think... Uh, X on the beach and all that kind of on the beach stuff actually gets any worse. You, you couldn't have a programme that plunged the depths. Uh, James says, do you ever go to Country Cousins down the King's Road? Yes, I did. I used to go to a lovely place in Battersea, which had um, a theatre attached to it. And you'd have dinner, then you'd go into the little theatre and they would perform a play with songs or whatever it was. And you'd come back and have your pudding. And it was really good. And I think it was called the Canal Cafe Theatre. That's what I think it was called. I used to go there loads of times. Uh, Steve, tried the Britannia, number one gastro pub in London on open table. Thank you. That'll be the people who work there at the Britannia. Actually, there's quite a few. Jamie Oliver's closing his place in Richmond. Because there's just, you know, there is only so much you can have in an area. And uh, Mark from Wilson James Security, says, I've nearly finished my graveyard shift. Why call it a graveyard shift? Why is it not graveyard shift? There's no graveyard shift. It doesn't exist. You go outside here now. London is really busy. Really, well, You know, graveyard would, in, would, would sort of instill in somebody that it's really quiet and there's nobody about it. That would be a graveyard very quiet. No, London's buzzy. No such thing as a graveyard shift. You have to look at my audience figures to realise that uh, there is no such thing as graveyard shift. Uh, Daily Star today, uh, Theresa May turning Iron Lady, as she told Europe, don't mess with Brexit Britain. Uh, George Michael killed by crack cocaine, says this Andros man, Andros Giorgio, who they sort of call him his cousin, but they do it in inverted commas. Does that mean he's not his cousin or something? Anyway, he hasn't got the faintest idea. He's only guessing. Uh, He knows nothing. He wasn't there when George was found. Uh, He hadn't seen him in ages and ages, and uh, George didn't like him. He cut him off ages and ages ago. That's why I think the only thing that's going to be interesting in the, in the George Michael case, uh, tragedy though it was, will be to see what the will says and whether or not he changed the will in recent years uh, or whether or not this is an old will from some time ago. And that's where people are going to, well, oh. Because I, I think they reckon he's left about 100 million. 100 million pounds. I think it'll be a little bit more than 100 million. Of course, the government will rake in there and take all that stuff. And... Um, and so that will be that will be the telling point for me as to who he liked and who he didn't like. And I bet you anything he's left nothing to this man here who he cut off years ago. But his son is George's godson. 
but I think this is an old will. Just got a feeling that George didn't know he was going to die. And then people, this this one here, this, uh, this uh, Andros, who says he was killed by crack cocaine. He hasn't got the faintest idea what he's talking about. That's just pie. You might as well say he was killed by a dandelion leaf he tried to eat. You know, it's as fatuous as that because the toxicology report didn't come back with anything. So having to do it all over again and find out what went on. Um, I'm not having sex in front of Gaza. Jamie O'Hara says he's falling for Bianca Gascoigne. Oh, dear. Oh, well, set your sights low, mate. You might as well. You remember he was married to Danielle Lloyd. She's also been sort of jumping up and down and clapping her hands against the wall or something. Um, also, the other story. Oh, yes, the very odd story. Robbie Williams. We know he's slightly odd anyway. But uh, he blames his odd behaviour on uh, George Best. The ex-take-thatter has become notorious for oversharing on TV chat shows of late. It's all inspired by drunken performances by George Best, along with other wired talk show guests back in the day. Robbie says, as a kid, I used to watch George Best or Oliver Reed on Wogan and nobody knew what they were going to do. I'd be sitting there with a crisp sandwich and a mug of tea thinking, how do I get to do that? But the trouble is, Robbie Williams can only talk about Robbie Williams. That's why he wouldn't be particularly brilliant at it. Uh, somebody says, do you ever do the black cap in Camden? Of course. Grew up with the likes of Mark Fleming, Mrs Shufflewick. Oh, dear, just about everybody. And the sing-along on a Sunday lunchtime. Absolutely. It's block of flats now, isn't it? Or flats. Disgraceful how they allow these places to change. It really is. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. 6.20. Somebody here says, how rude is Steve Allen's show? Slating young mums in coffee shops. They do deserve a social life, too. Ah, dry up, you boring old windbag. Girls, truth, honestly, I think we'll mute you, get rid of you straight away. Far too dreary. Want to come around our way, mate? The place is clogged up with prams. Go and sit in a park. Take a flask. Clogging up the... They only buy one cup of coffee and sit there, you know, go, oh, yes, I had a baby. Oh, really exciting. Really dull for isn't it, really? But you look as though you're dull anyway, so, you know, that would kind of uh, kind of sum it up. But he did write, I'm assuming it's a man, difficult to tell, I've received the best service I ever had from your company at Vodafone. So he obviously sort of likes to write those sort of things. But anyway, I've decided I'm going to help you out of your misery. There you go. You can go and sit in a coffee shop all by yourself <laughs> with no friends in there, not even people with prams. Uh, Steve, Chris Mears, sympathy card in the post, says Anth. Probably better off keeping the Speedos on. Um, yes, I don't know what on earth he's done it for. But these people are always shocked, aren't they? That's, that's, the, that's the funny thing, that somebody you know, does something on the internet and then it becomes in the public domain and then they go, I'm really shocked. And you think, well, you did it. <laughs> There's not exactly other people there. You did it. Doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, in Ali, in Alicante, it's snowing, says Jonathan. Oh, it's not physically possible. Does it snow in Alicante? Is it possible to? Uh, another one here. The White Bear in Kennington has a, a theatre attached to it. My girlfriend, says Nigel, works as a cook in the monkey puzzle in Paddington. I've never even heard about it. Never even heard about it. Uh, Tony says, you always amaze me by places you knew of in the past around London. You know London like the back of your hand. I do. I've lived in it for 50 years. I should do, for goodness sake. Honestly. No, in fact, more than 50 years have I lived in London. Well, actually, no, not totally in 50 years, but I've been working around it for donkey's years now. And you, have, and you do get to know things in London. So somebody wrote in and they were so ignorant about the Notting Hill Carnival. It was just embarrassing. I've just sent them on to Sarah Vine's page. Much, much easier. Uh, not sure if it's true, but did there used to be a prison on Millbank where they hold prisoners about to be transported to Australia? Uh, we did used to have a number of prisons. I can't remember if there was a prison at Millbank or not. I can't remember if there was a prison. We'll have it. We'll, we'll check it out on the Internet. 
prison in Millbank. So that, that this would have been to be transporting those people over to Australia that we didn't like. I think it was actually easier just to pick them up off the streets and send them to Australia. We didn't we didn't like anybody. That's accurate. There was a there, there was a prison at Millbank. There you go. There was a prison there. And all we did, we just obviously then put them on those ship things and uh, and off they went. It was called ironically Millbank Prison and it was a holding facility. However, it opened in 1816 but it closed in 18 18- 90. And uh, it was originally constructed, I think, uh, as the National Penitentiary. And so what they did, they held people there. I mean, isn't that funny that years ago we go, right, I tell you what, you're a convicted prisoner. We're going to send you to Australia. I wonder why. Why would we send them there? Why couldn't we send them to somewhere like Blackpool or something like that? Uh, there are remains of the prison there. There is a there is a bollard, which is actually over from MI6, well, not you're supposed to know about this, but MI6 is the other side of the, you know, it's a secret place. Nobody knows about it. It's huge. It's even got MI6 written on it. And there is a, there is a bollard remaining there, and it's got on it this inscription. Near this site stood Millbank Prison, opened in 1816, closed in 1890. This buttress stood at the head of the River Steps, from which, until 1867, prisoners sentenced to transportation embarked on their journey to Australia. Many of them probably didn't... Um, Probably didn't survive the journey. I wouldn't have thought so. But uh, it's interesting because there is another set of steps that you should see in London. Because you know that the Thames that you see... Well, if you live in London, the Thames that you see is half the size of what it would have been in Dickens's day. It went back a long, long way. And if you go over um, Westminster Bridge, OK, you're coming from Parliament Square. You go Westminster Bridge, sharp left. You're now going down the embankment. Literally within a 100... And 50 yards on the left hand side, there is a piece of glass, a piece of grass. It's by government buildings. But what you should do is, if you get the opportunity, park, if you can, and walk over there. And you will see a set of stairs that went down from the original Palace of Westminster. It's the only surviving bit, the original Palace of Westminster. And that set of stairs went down to the waterline. So it gives you a rough idea. It's still there. It's still there. They haven't covered it in or anything at all. And it's in there, surrounded by railings. So you can't walk down it, obviously. But uh, that's where it um, that's where it that's where it was. Good, isn't it? And uh, one here says, what a big stir. The old baggage Nicola McLean is real nasty piece of work. Well, it's it was the language the other week that I couldn't quite get used to. I've never heard such language emanating from a, a woman who purports to being something. But she can barely speak mainly because she appears to be drunk most of the time. But as I say, her husband, I, I so wanted to sort of phone her in there, but I know that you can't because they don't have phones, although they seem to know little bits of that's going on on the outside. And um, he was off out with, uh, with somebody for dinner, uh, a pretty little girl who's obviously a bit, bit classier. Steve says, Martin, I heard you talking about Radio 2 earlier and I have to tell you, I found LBC by mistake. And it was your show I bumped into. Let it be known I couldn't go back to Radio 2. Needless to say... I'm hooked. Well, that's it, you see. I mean, that's why the BBC have decided their infinite wisdom. There's no point, they've said to all the staff, of trying to compete with LBC and Steve Allen and and uh, and all the other guys there and ladies who work. And so, consequently, they've decided to just rerun other bits of daytime programming. It, it's cheaper. It's cheaper. Uh, Anna says, did you say Dame uh, Judy was in conversation? Not for uh, Not for me, no. For this thing that they're doing at the Tricycle Theatre. And Jim Carter is conducting the interview. 
Steve, what I don't like are the people who sit in coffee shops on their laptops with one cup of coffee for hours. You buy a coffee and a cake and there's nowhere to sit. It's those mummies, isn't it, again, with their push chairs. They just take up the whole place. And the kids are running around the place. It's an accident waiting to happen. It really is. And uh, popped into Twickenham, had lunch at Cafe Bellissimo. Yes, I know, I know Cafe Bellissimo very well indeed. I've never eaten in there, actually. I've never eaten in there. But uh, my friend Michael, who's got the hairdressers in Twickenham, uh, he's, uh, he used to get their salads. Food's very good, apparently. My friend Graham's eaten in there. He says it's excellent. So, so there you go, which is good news. Uh, the, um, the diabetes... I'm not going to do the diabetes story again. I've decided if you just woke it up, you'll have to read it yourself in the paper because if you are a diabetic, you don't really want to know about things like that. Uh, I've yet to find out, and I will find out now, why we should speak Polish or Urdu. This is Cambridge University professor Wendy Ayres-Bennett. Apparently that makes her appear a bit more interesting. And she claims learning other languages could help unite communities. Wouldn't it be lovely? I wish I'd left my, on my um, sat-nav, I wish I'd left the languages on there. I've got a sat-nav in the car built in, but I've got a portable sat-nav, and I wish I'd left the languages, because I wished I'd done it in Polish, and then every time it did a th- I, could, I could learn Polish from the sat-nav, which would be interesting, wouldn't it, I think? But anyway, she thinks it would be good for us, and, and she's right. But there again, I always think that people who come to this country should learn to speak English. This whole idea is like if I went to live in Germany, I would be expected to speak German if I wanted to get around. You can't expect people to speak your own language all the time. So I would I would expect to see that. It is difficult, though. I know you, that people struggle with learning languages. And I don't know why we just aren't we aren't very good at learning languages. Some people are brilliant, but other people and I have to include myself are just not very good. I just I, I don't know whether or not you get to a certain age um, and then all of a sudden you just don't have the capability and the capacity for learning anything, because I wish I could. I really wish I could. Uh, lots of people uh, texting and tweeting. 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 <laughs> James O'Brien will be with you this morning, and uh, he is not going to America for Trump. He's, uh, he's decided to stay here, so we've sent Ian Dale. He flew off on Big Silver Bird the other day, and uh, Nigel Farage will be going over. In fact, he might be there already, but I think he's, he's got the personal invitation. And uh, who else is going over there? It's Oh, that's right, Katie Hopkins is going as well. But I think, is Matt Fry going? Wow. God, no, blimey, we've pushed the boat out on this one. Are they all staying in the same tent? I wonder if they're all staying in the same tent. I know that uh, Katie's going over there to cause disruption. That's all I could tell you. She's going over there to cause disruption because there's lots of people dressing up as pussycats. I don't quite see the, uh, the significance of it, but she's going to dress up as a predator to pussycats because she's a huge Trump fan, uh, as, indeed is, um, as indeed is Farage. I don't know about Ian Dale. Is Ian Dale a, a Trump fan? I don't, I don't know. I've, I've never studied that side of it. He might do. Matt Fry, would he be? Or they just, they just sort of deal with it as a, as a professional booking, I suppose. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Wednesday. I know you're bored with me telling you that, but some people have only just woken up and they've got no idea where they are. No idea. It's the 18th of January. OK. Theresa May's message to Britain. Deal or no deal, we will leave the EU. The top linguist who says we should learn Urdu and Polish, mainly because it helps people integrate into communities. But then, you know, as we're, if I was in Poland, I could probably understand that, much as I'd love to speak another language. But uh, if I was in Poland, I would expect to have to learn little bits of Polish to get by and order things. A woman came into Paul Cooper's shop the other day and she was Polish, but she couldn't remember the name of the vegetables she wanted. So she put it into a... She got an app on her phone. She put in what it was in Polish, pushed the button, and up it came in English, and it said zucchini. 
So immediately everybody knew what it was. It was courgettes. But as I say, buy them now because there's definitely going to be a, a shortage of them because of the weather in Spain, which is where most of them seem to come from. Jackie says, can you wish Noreen and me get well quick as I've got sciatica? It's not funny, but you make it feel better. Oh, dear, I can imagine. It's like, you know, people have written to me before going, I've got really, really bad backache. I am suffering. And I go, I know exactly how you feel. Millbank Prison is now Tate London and the Chelsea College of Art and Design. Uh, in the side garden of the college is the stone bollard with the inscription. Well, it's uh, no, not on this picture. This, it's actually on the, the embankment. It's over the road from, uh, from the Tate. It's over the road. So whether they've moved it recently, I don't know. But the picture that I've got is over the road from there. Uh, and uh, somebody else reminiscing with me this morning, which is John. And he says, I discovered the Chelsea drugstore on a hot Saturday afternoon in 72. I was going shopping in the King's Road for the first time. They had a DJ playing great music upstairs, which I'd never seen before. I thought it was the most glamorous place I'd ever been in. I was about 20, became addicted to the King's Road for the next 20 years. In those days, the pubs, even down the back streets, were packed. And most of the time, they're all gone now. I do sometimes use the McDonald's that's there. In the 70s, I used to see the Sex Pistols hanging around the King's Road before they were famous. He says, uh, as, as uh, your show is great, I can't wait for 4am for it to start. Yes, I mean, the King's Road I also spent a lot of time in, uh, you know, going in. A, and we didn't think anything. I mean, to actually get in a, in a taxi was considered a bit of a luxury. We don't, we don't think it's a luxury anymore, do we? We just get in a taxi as a matter of course. You want to go somewhere in London, you get in a, you get in a, in a taxi. Talking about diabetes, Steve, my brother-in-law's your age, 39, and has reversed his diabetes type 2 through diet and exercise. Doctor's very pleased. Yes, it is possible with diet and exercise to, uh, to do it. Unfortunately, as you've heard me say about three million times before, exercise and Steve Allen don't kind of go hand in hand. I'm not complaining about it. Just explaining that some people do exercise and other people don't. You know, I shall walk from here to the, to the toilet and I will walk out of the building as opposed to taking the lift. Funny thing is, when I'm coming in in the morning, I take the lift, which is probably the wrong time. I should really sort of do it. But you don't want to wear your little legs out, do you, before you've actually started on the, uh, the programme. Front pages of the papers. This is what's happening. Uh, Colleen's marriage crisis by her son. It's now turned into a family affair. And this was the story I told you earlier on that Colleen, who's chain smoking her way through most of Rothman's in the uh, in the Big Brother house. Mind you, there's quite a few of them. Callum Best doesn't actually seem to do anything at all apart from sit outside with a cigarette. He really is bone idle. Perhaps that's why his career's never quite taken off. But anyway, Colleen's marriage, she talks about it all over the place. She talks about the fact that Ray, her husband, has fallen out of love with her, doesn't love her anymore. But according to her son Shane, with Shane Ritchie, uh, he said he was sitting on the settee with Ray watching her on Loose Women and she starts talking about the marriage. He didn't say anything because he's not that sort of person. He's probably just deeply embarrassed by it. And uh, what we should really offer to advice, to advice, uh, to advise her uh, about her marriage is to stop appearing on silly programmes. Stop, you know, telling everybody on Loose Women about your woes and sort your marriage out because you're not going to do it. Any other way, sitting in the Big Brother house, discussing with perfect strangers, private details between you and your husband is nothing short of scandalous. And uh, and that's basically what Shane has said. He said they argue all the time. They argue all the time, but uh, but they shouldn't. Uh, Charlie Girling says, I'm taking you running with me one day. We'll do the marathon. Yeah, <laughs> HR. Uh, unlikely. The last time I went to see a movie with uh, with with Charlie Girling. 
who runs our entertainment department, as you know. There's a lovely little team out there. They really are. They're super. Really, really lovely. And um, and and we she st- we, we sort of set off across Leicester Square. She's striding away, and I'm having to go. We've got to slow down. I'm going to end up with angina again. I'm going to get really, really ill. So it's a nice thought, but. Uh, I'd rather just sit there, but I can't wait for an invalid carriage, as they used to call the little blue cars they used to be. Now you can get these little cheap scootery type things. <laughs> I want one of those, I've decided. But thank you for the offer, Charlie. Uh, May's Brexit ultimatum. Give us a deal or we'll walk. And um, and here she is, striding away. It's all very interesting. Uh, Boublier quits. This is Michael Boublier, pulled out of hosting the Brit Awards to care for his eldest son, Noah, who is fighting liver cancer. So... A good decision. We wish them uh, well. Uh, the Daily Star, more ramblings from um, uh, Andros Georgiou, who they put down as George Michael's cousin. I'm not sure he is his cousin. I'm not sure if he was just somebody who was a friend from years and years ago. Then they, they fell out big time, big, big time. And uh, I don't think George has ever spoken to him since, but he's now pronouncing things. You know, he was killed by crack cocaine. How he knows this, I've got no idea. He must just be sitting there thinking, how can I get back in the public eye again? But uh, George cut him off years and years ago. Uh, Sex, guys and videotapes. Celebs panic as Louis and Callum's sex tapes are leaked. And Chris Mears and just about anybody else you can think of in the business. I mean, I'm beginning to wonder, actually. Not going to take two. Oh, there is somebody, isn't there? We don't know who they are. It's a BBC presenter. A BBC presenter who's been doing the same thing. And they're also worried about their uh, their sex tapes being. Well, don't make them then. Don't make them. Uh, Also, May spelling out how Britain will leave the EU. Warns UK will walk away from a bad deal. Dave the Cabbie says, I remember many years ago, I took Angie Best to a pub. Just off Oakley Street, as George was in there getting drunk, she wasn't happy. Yeah, she came to Twickenham a little while ago. She's friends with uh, a friend of mine, Graham. So she came uh, She came down. She was the first one voted out the Big Brother house, wasn't she? Mind you, we got rid of uh, James Jordan the other day. He was surprised. I don't know why. Nobody appears to like him. Uh, nibbling my breakfast. And uh, it would be great if you could get a watch that spoke lots of different languages, says Carol. Just, you know, and you sort of... And it spoke them... Fluently. Just pick the one you want and you can converse in it. I'd love that. Lazy, yes, but as you say, very hard for people of a certain age. Yes, that's certain. You sort of get to that, don't you? Jason, my sovereign driver, says, worried about the situation in the Gambia. Hope my Gambian friends are OK. Well, they're, they're bringing people back, aren't they? Thompson have uh, decided to bring, I think about a thousand people are over there. Obviously, somebody made a giant error and didn't check the website. But I'm not sure exactly what the website said. It should have actually said it could be very, very dangerous and so they're bringing back as quickly as they can a thousand people. That's how many people are on holiday in the Gambia at the moment. And so just in case anything, I mean, there's certain places you wouldn't go to. And as I said the other day, if you're thinking of going on holiday, you check the Foreign Office website to see what they're saying about it. I don't know if they said anything on the Gambia. It might be one of those things that slipped under the uh, under the radar and they didn't have anything to say about it. Uh, real life drama in Call the Midwife. You can find out more about that. And also a woman who was uh, in mud. She was uh, lying on the ground. She waited three hours for an ambulance to arrive. And so in the end, they had to sort of wrap her in a couple of things. She's in mud. She's in mud. And she's holding an umbrella over her head to try and keep her dry. And uh, during the wait, the frail woman, uh, who asked not to be her name, was sheltered from the rain by a fellow walker who put a brolly over her. Dear me, I mean, honestly, three hours. 
waiting for a 999 crew. She's actually on the ground. It's not like she's sort of she's sitting there waiting just to get somebody in there. She's actually fallen. She's on the ground. Why the police need our support. It's a very interesting article by Nick Knowles saying that there are officers suffering from low morale. They often find themselves despised by the public. Yes, yes, they do. And it's a shame, really, isn't it? It's a shame that they, they try and do so much, but the culture nowadays is of bad language, drinking. You only have to turn on Big Brother. You want to see bad language and disgusting people behaving in a disgusting manner. That would be the indicator of what the police are now having to deal with. People who are drunk, who take on superhuman strength. They fight, they kick, they spit at the police. Oh, dear me. And the police all the time. I always remember that programme. I forget which one it was. It could have been Interceptors. And they arrest this woman. And she starts screaming like there was no tomorrow, like she was having a panic attack. But she was vile. You're hurting me. You're hurting me. Why are you doing this to me? Because you're a nasty piece of work. What the police have to put up with nowadays is it's almost beggar's belief, I think. It's terrible. I couldn't find the other story about the polo car doing 115 miles an hour. It was a 14-year-old polo. And the police stopped it and she said it can't do 115. It can only do about 96 or something. And somebody said it could if the driver was under 12 stone, which we suspect she might have been, might have been. Liberty X returning as a, as a girl group. Oh, ghastly. Honestly, why do these people just give up? Listen, the reason Liberty X finished is because they were dull, boring, and they didn't score in the charts anymore. Um, Colleen Nolan's son jumping in, as I said before, and uh, the footballers told to pay £100,000 for being rapists. No, no trial... No trial. It had already been thrown out of court, but the lady in question, who has waived the right to anonymity, uh, took out a civil action against them, and she won £100,000. They've been named as rapists. The football clubs that they uh, play for have said that they'll wait to see, you know, exactly what, what the court papers have actually said before they decide how to go any further. And uh, we'll wait and see. But it's, it's an odd one, that one, isn't it? I thought that was the oddest one I'd read in, in, uh, in a while. And the number of men using fake tan has risen. I mean, you know, either get a proper tan, like my friend Graham gets a proper tan. He just goes for a top-up. So he does look like a creosote bench. But many other people prefer to use fake tan. But the trouble is, it just looks fake. You can spot it on people's heels, on their elbows, on their knees. All sorts of places where people don't do it properly. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Wednesday, the 18th of January. Uh, Phil Vickery wants to know if I got the gold top. I did. I did get the gold top. Uh, I haven't drunk very much of it. I've been quite good. I gave some to the newsreader, Paul Smith, earlier on, and the Australian producer won't touch it because he doesn't do milk. You know, that's like saying, you know, I don't do barbecues kind of thing. But uh, he doesn't do milk, so I, d I didn't share it with him. Coming up uh, with Nick Ferrari at breakfast after news at seven this morning. Theresa May's long-awaited Brexit speech. Nick is going to be joined by Brexit Secretary David Davis for the latest reaction. And as the Prime Minister pledges to leave the single market, Nick asks, is controlling immigration worth abandoning the single market. Also, she unexpectedly announces that Parliament will get a vote on the final deal. Do you trust it's the right decision? And a Libyan man has won the right to sue the former Foreign Secretary Jack Straw over allegations of abduction and torture. That's all with uh, Nick Ferrari at breakfast from seven this morning on LBC. Glastonbury has renamed itself uh, for one year only the Variety Bazaar. That's what they're calling it. And uh, this is Michael Evis. He says he will stage the new festival at an unknown location somewhere halfway to the Midlands. Uh, Michael Evis, I have to tell you, is now 81. I think he gets so much pleasure out of doing Glastonbury <laughs> that it keeps him going. He's certainly 81 years young, if you can use that uh, terminology now. 
But uh, he says uh, he would move Glastonbury to a new location once every five years to give Pilton Village a rest from the hundreds of thousands of festival goers who descend there. You can always see them at the station. You know when it's Glastonbury or the Reading Festival. There's just loads and loads of people. Loads and loads of people. And uh, what else do we have in the papers very quickly? Oh, there's loads on, on Theresa May and uh, Lily Allen. She's still touting anybody who'll listen. We're still waiting for you to take somebody in, Lily. Still waiting. She says, uh, a global... This is what she tweeted the other day. A global Britain could be good, but the world still hates us, cause slavery. don't really know which planet she's uh, actually on, but I'm sure she understands it. Uh, Sarah Vine talks about the truth about the Notting Hill Carnival of Mayhem. It's just drug dealing now, uh, drinking, street robberies. This is on Children's Day. On Children's Day last year, I was absolutely horrified to be reading out the statistics. Uh, Steve, Colleen Nolan's husband will be glad of the respite by not having to look at her miserable face all the time and the smell of an ashtray around the house. Well, to be honest with you, I mean, she's uh, she sits there looking really miserable. I don't think she's this pretend happy person she tries to be on Loose Women. I think that's the act. That's the act, because in reality, she sits down, she just gets a cigarette on and just sits there puffing away. And she doesn't contribute to anything in the same way that Callum Best doesn't contribute to anything. Uh, Christine says, using up all my data, listening to you every night here. Thank you very much indeed. And uh, somebody says, did you see that Noel Edmund, uh, Noel Edmonds has fallen out with Philip Schofield? And Noel doesn't appear to be on Twitter anymore. I don't know. Is Noel Edmonds on Twitter? I've never thought about it. We'll have a quick look. But uh, I can't imagine why Noel would ever fall out with Philip Schofield. Their, their paths have probably hardly ever crossed, I would have thought. I'd be very, very surprised if they've if they've fallen out. I'd be very, very surprised. Philip Schofield doesn't fall out with anybody. He's not that sort of person. Least of all, Noel Edmonds, who uh, who's you know very, very successful, very, very successful as a as a businessman, and uh, and the programmes he still makes. I can't imagine why they would they would fall out over what they, their paths don't cross on anything. Noel doesn't work for ITV, and Phil doesn't work for the BBC. It's so you sort of have them sitting there. Noel's still on Twitter. Is he? We're just trying to find him. Is Noel Edmonds still on Twitter? We don't. Sorry? Yeah, you're going to look now. OK, lovely. That'll be useful. And uh, somebody else talking about Colleen Nolan. Why is she in the house? Money. Why is anybody in the Big Brother house? They do it for money. You know, sometimes they can earn 20000 30000 They always put ridiculous figures in like, oh, it could be, you know, £200,000. Nobody ever gets £200,000. They don't pay that sort of money. They really don't. They, uh, they just pay what they can get somebody for. The agents would be grateful for take anything at all. So uh, that's how it works. But, but if they get voted out, I don't know what happens to their fee. Perhaps they get a percentage of it. They got rid of James Jordan the other day. He was shocked, but he said, oh, at least I get to see my wife. Proving just what a boring person he really is. Big piece on, um, on Burberry and the footballers who are named and shamed in the, uh, in the papers today. Uh, although the Crown Council concluded there was no in, uh, that there was insufficient evidence in law to raise criminal proceedings, but she's been awarded a hundred thousand pounds by these uh, by these two men. Uh, the thrifty mum gets my award of the day. I mean, this really is about as good as it gets. She feeds a family of five for just thirty-eight to forty quid a week. She doesn't even let her husband buy the three-pound meal deal. She said it's cheaper to get it. You know, buying it, buying it separately. £38.47. And that's including she gets uh, crisps and uh, chocolate chip cookies and uh, digestive biscuits and fresh egg waffles, all sorts of things. So a re- average receipt, £38. 
£38. So well done to her. I like the idea on a Sunday, as opposed to having the roast, which everybody does. They have their roast on uh, Friday, the roast chicken dinner. And on Sunday, they've got lamb koftas, mint yoghurt and savoury rice. <laughs> Sounds delicious. I think we'll all go round to her house. She obviously knows how to cook. I mean, especially on uh, Tuesday, homemade chicken nuggets, jacket potatoes and salad. All good stuff for the kids. The kids enjoy all of that. Uh, there's a very, very interesting story by Jenny Johnson in the Daily Mail today. And it's a, a girl who was imprisoned for 30 years by her father, who was a leader of a cult. She was brainwashed into believing her father was God and lightning would strike her dead if she tried to flee the cult's headquarters in London. So she's, uh, she tells this uh, story. This story, and uh, an interesting story it is, to be sure. Front page of the uh, Mail today. This is uh, Theresa May saying Britain will quit the single market. She put Cameron's feeble negotiations to shame with an ultimatum to Brussels. We'll walk away from a bad deal and make the EU pay. The steel of the new Iron Lady. She is the new Iron Lady. Uh, the Guardian say May's Brexit threat to Europe. And Putin, the people behind the Trump dossier, are worse than prostitutes. They're obsessed with it in Russia. Financial Times, May eases Brexit fears, but warns the UK will walk away from a bad deal. And uh, she lays down her cards, mixing menace with mollification. That's, there's a word that we've beaten James O'Brien to this morning. Mollification. I wonder if he knows what it means. He probably does, actually. Uh, the Times this morning, uh, the Russian sex workers are the world's best, boasts Putin. I don't know, there's something odd about him. Uh, May to the EU, give us fair deal or you'll be crushed. And uh, inside the Times say, how I saved £25,000 on my mortgage in one year. Somebody was telling me the other day, they said, you'll laugh. They, they found some old mortgage statements from ages ago when the mortgage rate was 15%. They said, and their mortgage was 1500 quid a month. Because I always say to people, I mean, I was, I was, I was late going to mortgages, only because I'd been renting for such a long time. My parents said, oh, we know we'll help you out with this. But still people go and rent, which means you might as well drop your money down the drain. Don't do it in Ealing. Ealing, that'll be littering and you'll be in big trouble. So um, it's a case of you don't have to actually, you know, have a very expensive mortgage nowadays. You can do these part shared ownerships, can't we? Daily Telegraph, no deal is better than a bad deal. This is uh, out of the single market. In control of our borders and free from European law, she, law, she finally sets out her strategy for leaving the EU. And um, on, the, on the payments to the EU, she says the days of Britain making vast contributions to the European Union every year will end. Immigration, Brexit must mean control of the number of people who come to Britain from Europe. And uh, they're going to make it difficult. Yet to see how that one's going to work. They can't stop people arriving in on these hospital planes, can they, really? Uh, front page of the I... How football failed Nobby Styles. Uh, the family's dismay at the treatment of the World Club hero with dementia. Brexit means UK will quit the single market and customs union. Parliament to vote on the final deal. Britain will leave without a trade deal if Europe can't provide good terms. Uh, immigration controls on all EU citizens. All of that. And uh, an interview with Natalie Portman, who becomes Jackie Kennedy. And there again is a, a story and a half. Jackie Kennedy, my goodness me, the woman who married, as I said to you a few weeks ago, Aristotle Onassis, but he already had a mistress, didn't actually need anybody else, I think he just married her for the kudos, and it seemed to work fairly well, didn't it? They had a very, very lavish wedding with lots of guests and people flown in, and he was a billionaire, but uh, she didn't, uh, 
She didn't actually get to experience too much of that. He had everything, but he didn't need her because he was uh, romancing Maria Callas, the opera singer. That's just about it for this morning. Thank you ever so much for your uh, company. If you go to the LBC website, which is lbc.co.uk, you can download uh, a free app on there. It's very easy to find. And once you've got that for your mobile or your tablet, it means wherever you go, in the world, you can listen to LBC. So you don't have to sit there going, oh, I can't hear LBC. And also, you get free podcasts. There's a, a number of programmes on LBC that offer free podcasts. I have one for today. Uh, it's generally a sort of a, a tongue-in-cheek look at the world of celebrity. We generally sort of have a good old uh, wander through. Some of the names in the frame. Sometimes we're rude about people. Sometimes, well, we're always brutally honest. That's all we can be. And tell the truth about them. So you can imagine it's Big Brother at the moment because I think it's possibly not the worst set of housemates because they've all been on there before. It's just the people who've got the foulest mouths. Seriously, I mean, I really, you know, and drunkenness. The drunkenness of all these people. They're all trying to bed for some reason. Don't ask me why. Callum Best, the world's most boring man. I mean, he he needs to smoke and drink because he's so dreary. He doesn't seem to contribute anything. He just seems to always be found sitting in the smoking area. With Colleen as well. And she's uh, she's there, but of course she also has got the hots for him. A little bit embarrassing when you're trying to save your marriage, isn't it? Anyway, have a fantastic day. Do download that free LBC app. It means you never miss a moment. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Steve Allen Show, at Steve Allen Show. Uh, Leading Britain's conversation at 10, it's James O'Brien. Don't forget, we will be covering Trump's uh, spectacle on Friday. Can't wait to see how it's going to turn out, actually. Uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a a great day. Wrap up warm, but chilly. Coming up next, though, with breakfast on LBC, it's Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.